podcast is good, but it can be better. <laughs> Today we're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. It's better than our last cold open with Wonder Woman. Uh, starring Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, Robin Wright, Connie Nielsen, Lily Aspel, Amira Walkhead, and Christopher Paloa. Directed by Patty Jenkins and written by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and Dave Callahan. Which we're going to start crediting the writers. Why not at the beginning of this? I'm Ryan, one of your hosts. I'm Brendan. I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan. And today we are back uh, to, I believe, what our first podcast was in quarantine, the DC series um, with Birds of Prey, I believe was our first one that we did in this context. Maybe it was at Chapter 2. I don't quite remember what order we did that in. But um, after all of the uh, the mess that has been going on with, with Warner Brothers, with whether or not all of these movies are going to be releasing on HBO Max, you can go back and listen to our movie journal on all of that. We are here, at least for now, with Wonder Woman 1984, which will be on HBO Max until the 24th of this month. Um, so guys, uh, talk to me. How excited were you for this movie? Were you excited to be able to see it at home? Were you bummed out that they didn't push it um, until theaters were reopened? What were your thoughts going into this viewing experience at home? I think going into the experience, you know what, like, I, I really enjoy, you can go back and listen to our first Wonder Woman podcast. Um, I really enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, kind of uh, excited, but like, cautiously excited about a sequel just because i don't necessarily trust dc to like be able to keep the same level within all of their movies (laughs) um why would that be i don't know gosh save martha um and so uh you know I i was cautiously excited um and you know i was fine being able to watch this at home i you know you always want to watch things in the theater and really get that experience but uh, i have no problem watching movies at home and and enjoying them just the same so that's that's kind of where i was at going in yeah i also loved the first wonder woman we talked about it on this podcast three years ago or so um i didn't realize how excited i was going to be for this movie um I had planned with my family to watch it on Christmas Day when it came out, and you know, kind of the night of. Um, and like the couple of days before, I was like, "Whoa, I like this big superhero tentpole movie. I haven't felt this sort of excitement in a very long time." And even though I felt myself, um, I was very disappointed by the last couple of superhero movies that came out, Marvel and DC. Um, I was really hyped for this movie. I think I just really did miss that feeling of, wow, we're all going to go to the theater and we're all going to watch this big superhero movie, even though it was an experience that I had at home. And it was fine. You know, it was fine watching at home. Um, the entire time I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I do really wish I could see this in theaters, especially some of the big action set pieces and when they're flying with the fireworks everywhere. I just would have loved to see that in theaters. There are sequences I would not want to see in theaters. I do not want to see a cat, Kristen Wiig, uh, blown up on the big screen in front of me. But yeah, I was very excited for this movie. Yep, I uh, I I really enjoyed the first Wonder Woman movie. I was really excited. I wasn't. Um, I yeah, I just I wanted this to come out as soon as possible. I didn't really care if it was in the theater or not. And I think what they did was really smart. I think a lot of people watched it. Um, uh, a lot of you know the reaction overall overall is, has not been very positive from people. Um, but you know, I I think I think it was it was a good choice for them to do this. And I was, uh, I'm curious, did you guys go back and listen to the first Wonder Woman podcast? I listened to the, our final thoughts. I didn't have time to listen to the, through the okay. entire thing. I listened okay. to like just the very beginning. It is borderline unlinable. <laughs> really? Is as an episode, bad? as an episode, it's really bad. It's, we've wow. come a long way. I just like I'm to glad. say. I'm glad. 
Yeah. Um, Shoot across the but, room. But so I know, you know, I'd, I'd like to compare maybe some of our uh, thoughts with the first one. But yeah, I I was really excited for this movie. I rewatched the first Wonder Woman for it. Um, and yeah, you know, always a great experience. So yeah, you know, very excited. Definitely very hyped up. And especially being one of the only, you know, wide releases, um, you know, that was there to people for people to talk about. It had a lot of pressure on it. Like Matt was saying, it, even though it wasn't in the theaters, it's still sort of like this, you know, nationwide people are tuning in on Christmas Day to see this. So pretty interesting. Yeah, I was excited for this movie. Um, they, uh, I think, as I think I mentioned on the um, on the movie journal with the HBO Max thing, I actually upgraded all of my home theater equipment uh, because of this HBO Max deal. And I... Um, I got my, had my sound bar out. I was alone actually for a couple hours on Christmas. So I was like, you know what? I will take this time and watch Wonder Woman 1984. I was the only person in the house. I blasted it. My sound bar it was super loud. It was an awesome experience. I recommend everyone getting a sound bar who can afford it. Mine was only like 50 or 60 bucks. It's really worth your money. Um, makes the sound of a film sound so much better um, than your normal TV. And it was a, it was an interesting experience. You know, I, I honestly didn't miss the theater going experience too much with this movie i miss going to the theater but it's not honestly there's so many things like with the pandemic going on right now that it feels like such a small thing uh to to complain about and um so yeah nothing you know nothing in this viewing experience particularly made me wish i was watching it in a theater and um i will be happily watching movies at my house until i get those two vaccine shots so um so yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I wasn't as excited for this movie as others. I mean, I was excited for it because I, I thought it looked good and it's a new superhero movie and that's fun. But um, in the past few years, you know, uh, superhero movies have kind of, you know, worn off on me a little bit. I have been less excited for them. But, you know, it was Patty Jenkins um, and I, I trusted her. So um, I was excited decently going into this movie. Um, so I guess, Logan, you lead us off with some, some of that good, good plot summary. Yeah, so there's no uh, plot summary on IMDb, unfortunately, at this point, since we are recording it, like, three days after the release. Um, but I'll just basically run through it. Sometimes you gotta freeball it. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman's still alive in 1984, cause, and she looks the same, because she's a demigod. Uh, and Maxwell Lord is an oil baron who uh, finds this dreamstone that can grant all your wishes, and then he wishes to become the dreamstone. Uh, and basically, he starts granting a lot of people a lot of wishes, and they have to touch him. Uh, very, I'm glad this happened in 1984 and not 2020. Um, True. Because you gotta, you gotta distance from people. Uh, and then he basically uses uh, radio waves to grant the wishes of everyone in the world. And then Wonder Woman convinces them to give it all back. And also not really having an effect on the plot at all is the character of uh, Barbara Minerva, who is uh, the cheetah. And she is nerdy, but then she becomes cool. And then she becomes a cat, a jellicle. Um And if that's basically the entire plot summary. Oh, Chris Pine is there in another dude's body. Uh, Steve Trevor comes back. Uh, that's pretty much the plot. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's so much to talk about. But uh, guys, I guess we'll go with uh, initial thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, yeah, so this movie is, you know, there, we were talking about before the call, there's a lot of hate for this movie right now. Um, and some of it I do get, I think there are legitimate concerns with it. I didn't 
I didn't really have that much of a problem with it. It's not like it didn't quite hold my interest as much as a lot of superhero movies. I would place this around like the level of like entertainment that Captain Marvel was for me. Um, you know, where it like, well, I, here's, and I know that that movie has divided opinions as well, but, um, I, for me, it's like, it was, it, it dragged on a little too long. Some of the plot points weren't super clear, but I was still entertained. Um, I don't really have, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the problems that I have with the movie. Um, it's, 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 it's a pretty standard, you know, superhero movie and, you know, a, a surprisingly not terrible one from DC. Um, it was fine. It was fine. I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I really loved, say, the first hour of this movie or so, and thought the ending sucked. I thought the ending was really bad. That kind of ruined a lot of the movie for me. Um, but there, there's things to love. I think Pedro Pascal is easily the best thing about this movie. I think he kills it. I love when he just goes totally unhinged towards the end, and it's just, you know, manic villain. Um, I think Gal Gadot, as in the first movie, a great action star. We'll get into it, but I think she is a better action star superhero icon than she is an actual actress, but still wonderful, and whenever she's on screen, I'm rooting for her. But this movie overall was just a little meh. Little fine, like just you know, it was fine. I thought some of the action scenes were cool. I thought others were very poorly shot and really disorienting, especially the pointless one with the cat and Wonder Woman. Um, I would have appreciated some more '80s music and more of that Wonder Woman theme, please. I only got it for like three seconds, which was very disappointing. But overall, you know, not not glaringly bad, but not something that'll stick with me for too long. So I was a little dis, I was disappointed. Yeah, you know, like with uh, most of the DC movies that we've talked about on here, I am, you know, pretty much in recognition that, yeah, this isn't, it it isn't that good. Um, but, you know, there are still things in here that I can really appreciate and, and things that I really love about it. Um, yeah, I, I would never, I wouldn't say that I was ever, like, disappointed while watching it, but definitely at the end. I, I really just came away with this sense of disappointment. Like, something was just missing from it. It just wasn't... Uh, and, and in a two-and-a-half-hour two movie, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to come away and feel like, yeah, I, c- I could have used more. Um, so, yeah, just overall a disappointing thing. The more I think about it, there are just more kind of unnecessary uh, things about it and things that just really had had no bearing on anything else and yeah it i don't know we'll we'll get into all the specifics i i really i really am just disappointed but you know it, it's a dc movie so I, i'm always gonna have some kind of you know <laughs> uh, uh, i all all dc movies are kind of like a, a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me um i recognize that technically you know maybe what it does isn't that impressive but like it it's hard it's hard to hate a movie where I get to see Wonder Woman flying where I get to see the Invisible Jet you know so these things are are exciting to me but are you overall, finally coming movie. around are you finally coming around on Justice League not being a good movie you know I, <laughs> yes I'll I'll say that now I yeah. thank God I, no I I know terrible I know that it's not a good movie okay a lot of these DC movies they're nowhere near as bad as people say even as bad as you guys say they're not anywhere close <laughs> to that. Um, but you know, they're, they're not very good either. Uh, 
I will say, I think it's absolutely absurd that Floyd, you gave Aquaman an F and you would (laughs) not give Cats an F. Those are in such different leagues as movies. I do. I do kind of regret that a little bit, but um, I still think Aquaman's a very bad movie. Um, That's fine. Yeah, no. So I, (laughs) if you go back and listen to those, I'll probably, like, I probably gave Justice League a B plus or something, which like (laughs) I I probably would not do now. Um, Yeah. So when we do our whole ranking at the end, it'll be it'll be a little off from the ratings that I've given, but you know it is what it is. Yeah. Um. So I, again, we I have been the the negative person, I would say. Maybe maybe Matt too. Uh, on all of our DC podcasts. Um. But I will say recently, the ones actually that we've recorded this year, I've given all good grades to. Uh, I believe I gave Shazam and Birds of Prey both a B plus, and I mean I gave Joker an A, even though Joker's not in this timeline. Um, so I really think that uh, DC has gotten their their shit together. Um, Warner Brothers has really right, righted the ship in a lot of ways with this franchise, which is you know a huge cash cow for them, regardless of the quality of the films. Um, so much so that despite everything that's happened with the pandemic, they are already greenlighting Wonder Woman three. Um, but for this movie, uh, this is going to be weird. I'm going to be the positive person. I really like this movie. Um, I acknowledge that there are a lot of problems with it. Um, but maybe it is a guilty pleasure for me, but I really, really like this movie and, um, I'm excited to talk about it because I thought that this was a very enjoyable experience and a, just a fun, goofy action movie that I quite enjoyed. So, um, beginning of the film is kind of honestly the stuff that I didn't need the most. Um, this opening action sequence with little Diana was fine i was re-watching um most of the movie today and i skipped this scene just because i didn't feel like it added what? anything to the movie um i don't think that it really did anything um thematically i think the theme of like oh um you cheated you can't get what you want kind of ties in with steve trevor but she didn't knowingly cheat with that it wasn't like oh i actually know that this is a wishing stone and i'm wishing my boyfriend back to life it was just more of a like Oh, I'm sad. I know what I would wish for. And then he's back. And it's not like a conscious decision by her. So I didn't feel like this this fit with the film thematically. And in terms of the actual shooting and action of it, it was fine. But it's it's nothing that I need to come back to. I think it looks great. I think it applies to everyone in the movie, though. It, it applies to everyone making a wish and being like, oh, yeah, I can just achieve this goal uh, with this easy, you know, dreamstone thing. This, this weird dude broadcasting it <laughs> over over the radio waves which <laughs> yeah but she was innovating in this scene she saw a path that made that that wasn't i, I wouldn't have considered that cheating she yeah just, no i also would yeah. not have i think it was but she didn't hit the thing creative. she missed the one target right she I didn't guess. hit the one target Maybe. i don't know it's it, it's an interesting you know kind of statement on how this entire film went because i knew that this was going to be the thesis statement of the film but it like to me it just didn't read in any aspect like it didn't really read with maxwell lord it, it didn't really read with with diana you know it i guess maybe it kind of read with cheetah but also you know because her name is cheetah uh <laughs> let's just call her barbara can we just pr- pretend for a little barbara. while that that didn't happen cat. um cat lady cat Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman. um but yeah, no, it, it to me, it just was kind of this, like, very vague metaphor, and I also, I don't know, it's, you know, Diana is supposed to be, like, the perfect, um, 
the perfect demigod in this situation and yet she like gets scolded for being smarter than everyone else (laughs) um i don't know it's it didn't make a lot of sense to me the other weird thing about this opening scene is that we don't know the rules for this game like yeah it's a very interesting uh tournament to watch i i enjoy watching it i think it looks pretty good visually but like we don't really know what they're going for so every new stage is like you know oh okay diana fell into the water did 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 she lose is this like going on to the next stage okay it's going on to the next stage all right oh she's picking up a bow and arrow now you know and so we're we keep having to like figure out what's what's going on which i don't know there's not really an easy fix to that there's not really like well just have someone explain the rules right at the beginning of the movie but i don't know I we never know shit. what they're playing for, right? Yeah, right. We don't know what they're playing for. We don't know what they're going to be doing next. We don't know what their end goal is. It's apparently to get back to that place and and get somewhere, but... I don't need to know any of that. This is just a competition. They're having fun. They're all fighting for who can be the best Spartan this year or whatever. I thought this was delightful. Dare I say my favorite part about the movie. I was just filled with emotion. Like, what? I damn near really? cried in this scene. Something about just seeing this massive spectacle of these people running around. I thought this was like, the CGI here was great. I thought it looked beautiful. The landscape shots were amazing. I think Patty Jenkins, when she's really good, uh, can direct these action scenes really well. Other parts of the movie, they're really bad. But here, I thought it was beautiful. And just the the character of of young Wonder Woman and watching her fight against these older women and she was winning. Like, oh, it was so emotional. I was like, almost cried in the sequence. I loved it. Just beautiful. This movie did get me to cry at a couple instances, but I was nowhere near yeah. tears in this scene. <laughs> it was, it, um, it was, a lot of the appeal was, oh my God, I am watching a big superhero movie again. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't felt that feeling in a very long time. And that, that that's what kind of sparked the emotion. In me. Well, it's something that we've lost when we have this like barrage of Marvel movies that are coming out like every month and you're, you yes. sort of just get tired of it, loses its magic a little bit. This coming out after, you know, in the middle of everything, just, yeah very different experience sure maybe watching tenant last week kind of spoiled that for me where that was my big like oh a big movie visually looks cool but i'm actually gonna point push back a little bit i thought the cgi in some of these shots was really bad yeah i agree i don't think it looks pretty and here i thought it was fine later on it looks pretty bad at times i didn't have any problem with it here though this was this was the scene where i was like that doesn't look finished like it didn't like some of the crowd shots did not look good in the way the camera was like artificially swinging in. It just did not look. It looked like a PS5 game. Like really? usually, it didn't, I, usually I like updated our metaphors. Yep, PS4 so the, to PS5 next gen. Say, up, uh, updated them for the next gen console. We are well, that's good. Podcast. At least it's not PS4 anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Cyberpunk um, 27 all over again. Sorry, 27, 2077. 27. 27. <laughs> it happens like in the Roman <laughs> Empire. Um, well, I mean, it is around so. on stone wheels. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. And I, uh, I think when people complain about the CGI in DC movies, I think I'm starting, I'm finally like starting to get it. Um, yes. but I, I just take it as more of like a style thing. Like I don't, I don't mind what as much of it. I don't think it is. With, like with, with, with some of the like things, no. downgrading it on purpose. Granted with, with some of the things, no, some of the things is like, that that looks you know doesn't look realistic or whatever uh with the camera work i would push back on that because i think making that seem like artificial is something fun that they do i remember some of the fight scenes in the first wonder woman movie they would sort of slow down zoom in on random stuff uh you know like when you're watching a football game and they're like and they're like 
freeze on something and then move to a different angle mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. able to like interpolate the what it looks like in between and, and sort of move between that i think that's really cool i think when they do that that's really neat it doesn't look realistic it's not like you could imagine that you're standing in the room with them um mm-hmm. but i think i think it's a style and i think if you're um aquaman was another the action in that was i i thought was so well shot and just very entertaining if that's not your style, that's fine. But I think, I think they are going for a style. So with the unnatural camera movement, I really enjoy it. I think that there are, it makes it, it makes it feel a lot like a comic book, which, you know, I love. Yeah, I don't. I, I'll push back on you a little bit. Um, with that, Logan, I don't think it's necessarily a style. For me, it's just like sometimes it looks bad and sometimes it looks good. And I, and for me in this movie, I think this was the only time that I really thought it it detracted from any part of the movie, maybe other than the cheetah stuff, which we'll get to, which I think just was a bad idea in general. Um, but not really a, a CGI problem, but, um, no, I, I don't know. I, for me with the artificial camera work, I think everything you're saying is true about the first wonder woman. Um, but for me here, just, it took me out of it. It, it, it didn't look good. So it took me out of it. And that was the problem I think I had with, uh, with this opening sequence, but it has no bearing. I don't think on the rest of the plot, except maybe a tiny bit thematically, which I didn't feel was strong enough. So it, it just felt like an excuse to go back to um, uh, Themyscira, which I didn't need, honestly. Um, Question: Just to have this can she return to Themyscira? I don't think so. Or was that right? like part of the bargain? Like you, you're going to leave, but you can't come back. Like you leave with Steve Trevor, but you can't. You're not let back in. I don't know if you guys I think that's what it is. Right? Yeah, I, I just watched the first one, but I don't remember this. I, okay. They very well may have said that. Okay, they didn't I, make I it very clear. So. <laughs> but again, it could be wrong. That could be wrong. But um. But we do see Themyscira in Justice League, so I don't know. Um, right. They could have worked it in, in a better way. I think, but if you really needed it. I think something interesting, while we're talking about like the style and aesthetic of this film, let's talk about the use of the 80s and the reason that this was set in 1984. Because I want to ask, what is it? Because with this movie, they... Okay, so they didn't put any 80s music in the track, or in the soundtrack, for the most part. Yes. Um, that I could... Uh, that i could discern they didn't lean into the 80s like styling of things you know we've got all these things that are coming out today like stranger things and it that like really lead into this like or lean in i'm sorry uh to this sort of the 80s style of things like oh like look how much many references we're going to cram into here to the 80s i'm not saying i needed that necessarily but i'm saying that like other products that have come out set in the 80s that's sort of what we've been seeing more recently um but i think it's interesting they kind of lean into a lot of 80s movie tropes um just in terms of the way that like some of the characters are structured and some of the different relationships are structured i mean you've got you know Kristen wig kind of goes from this like nerdy girl to like and then she becomes cool and then she's a super villain which i don't really know if that's a the supervillain part is an 80s trope but um you know i i think that that's definitely very reminiscent of a lot of 80s movies um i don't know it's it's just interesting because they they kind of like really tried to commit with a lot of the promotional material to be doing this and besides the scenes of like steve like trying on outfits and then discovering break dancing and shit like that <laughs> th- there's not a whole lot of like 
I, I don't know what, like, I'm curious to know what you guys think is the reason that this was set in 1984, because the, the reason that we kind of like get is these different, like geopolitical kind of things. But I think like the sixties might've been more effective if you're going to talk about like war with Russia. Um, and then there's all of the weird middle Eastern sequences, which that's a whole other can of worms that we'll talk about later. Um, but what do you guys think? Why, why was this set in 1984? This is why, this is how I, one way in which it works. Superhero movies, like if you really get down to the core, are inherently pretty goofy, especially DC movies. And I think that the decision to set in the 80s does work because it kind of gives the film a pretty fun, pretty colorful, pretty goofy vibe, which usually I push back against because usually I'm like, no, I want dark, gritty superhero movies. But as we know, DC cannot deliver on dark and gritty. So if we're going to do fun and colorful with Wonder Woman, I think that works. I think that works best with her character. She's flying around. I don't have a problem with it. It's fun. Sure. Um, I do agree, Brendan. I don't think they lean into it as much as they could have and should have. I I hate it when they have 80s movies in the trailers and in all the promotional materials. And it's not in the movie. Like, come on, just give me, like, give me some of that aesthetic, some of that vibe. I like how some of the set pieces are uh, in this 80s tradition. You have the mall sequence in the beginning. Um, so that's fun. And, you know, with the whole Ronald Reagan um, consumerism excess themes that tie into it later on, I don't think it quite nails it. But, yes, I think the, the, the aesthetic is feels a bit like a pastiche most of the time. That's interesting. Yeah, it feels I, sort of – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that you, he – because he brought up Reagan and then they have the president in this, but – is that supposed to be Reagan? I, yeah. You think so? It is, but he's not credited as. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just just yeah. credited as POTUS. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think th- I think Reagan is an important element, though. Uh, sort of like there's this um, sense of sense of stability of um, I don't know, kind of unity a little bit in the in America. Um, I think one thing that is pretty era specific. Uh, is Maxwell Lord. He, I mean, he's basically, like, he's pretty much Donald Trump in the 80s. He's kind yes. of, like, up-and-coming uh, businessman. He wants more, more, more. He's gonna, like, go and do whatever he needs to to get there. So I think I think he is the kind of, like, excessive uh, businessman personality that it, he, I think he'd feel out of place in another time, so I think the 80s makes sense. Other than that, maybe just from a planning perspective, like, they didn't want to go back to the present day yet. Um I can't imagine what they're going to do next. Like, is there another milestone? Like seeing Wonder Woman, like in the early in 2000- 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like 2001 could be an interesting. No, oh God, I, I Wonder saw that Woman tweet. 9-11. I saw that oh, tweet. No. And I was like, dear God, no, please don't. Not like it, there would be really bad ways to do that. But I mean, Wonder Woman 911. Oh like my God, I, I don't know. So I, I just, I don't, I don't know what they're going for. I, well, just I'm not the, sure the if there idea. are any other, you know, milestone events that are interesting enough before we get to uh, 2022 or whenever the next Wonder Woman movie is going to come. Wonder out. Woman: so, The you know, Pandemic. <laughs> I don't. Oh God, that would be interesting. Sing Back together, up. sing together, Gal Gadot. Don't touch. I, th- this is a little bit of a, uh, a side note. But I really wonder how movies in the future are going to handle the pandemic. Are they going to, like, acknowledge that it happened? Or are they just going to be like, yeah, in-universe, this never happened. In-universe, we had, like, a competent president who pretty much got it under control. We've got that one K.J. Apa, Michael Bay-produced pandemic movie that was filmed in L.A. during the pandemic and is about a pandemic apocalypse. So Mm. it's already happening. Yeah. 
Um, but um, about Wonder Woman, I yeah, I can't imagine looking in the future. I can't even imagine now Wonder Woman in a sort of like present day movie. I think it would just feel off, and it and it has felt off because her presence in Justice League just wasn't that good. So I I hope they maintain this in the past setting in future films. I I don't know about that. In terms of 1984, I think. For me, what works about it is I, I do agree that they should have used more 80s music should have really fit that aesthetic a little stronger. But what really what really worked for me is the uh, the tropes, I would say. It felt like an 80s action movie. Yeah. I think Patty Jenkins nailed that style really well, and I think that's probably her biggest strength in this movie is really hitting that 80s aesthetic in terms of vi- uh, visual filmmaking. But then also, I think, I, for me, the consumerism, Reagan, American exceptionalism theme really worked for me uh lord worked for me as a trump comparison um and i think anyone saying that lord isn't a trump comparison is lying to yourself that's absolutely the the point of the movie is is criticizing trump and trumpism and american exceptionalism and golden and everything it's it's it is exactly supposed to be that and i believe the character of max lord was actually based off of trump when he was created in the 80s so really oh anyone anyone saying that this isn't a trump parallel is just lying to yourself um so for me all of that all the 80s stuff worked for me in that way um and should there have been more rock music yes but uh i think in every other way i think this works as a setting for the film but um so we start we, we start in washington dc in 1984 around the fourth of july as we learn later um it's it's a goofy opening but again this is kind of the stuff that i expected when um i found out that this was going to be you know a a goofy movie and yeah okay so there's going to be this 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 movie is a goofy movie it's not the goofy movie as we say um i just this uh, this woman oh go ahead oh i i just wanted to give a quick shout out to my boy john Busey uh in the in the camaro scene in the opener um the driver the blonde driver went to went to my college uh, and he graduated last year, so shout out to John. Okay, Very cool to see you. Very cool to see you. Yeah, and, and with that scene, you know, the car driver and, you know, one of them kicking the car, you know, and, and the, the stupid picture over the bridge with the wedding. Like, I didn't need any of this stuff, but it, again, this is what I'm saying. This felt like an 80s, like, opening action sequence. It was stupid. It was fun. I had a good time. So. Yeah, it, it's a fun introduction, um, and maybe it renders the Themyscira scene a little bit useless. Yeah, um, I was about to say. Yeah. You know, entertained as I was by it, yeah. when we have this opening scene of Diana, you know, running around D.C., that's sort of enough of a setting to say, like, yeah, this is where we are now. Um, so, But, yeah, o- overall, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and one thing I didn't quite need, though, is the, uh, the action scene at the mall. Uh, once we get there, I don't know the action scene of the mall. I feel like I feel kind of differently than Matt, where the first hour of this movie is eh for me, and then the rest of the movie is kind of where I think it picks up a little bit. Hmm. Um, I don't know. This action sequence is fine. It looks good. It's fun. I like when she sure. throws her t- uh, little. I don't know. It's not quite a tiara. A little face shield, forehead shield thing, face shield. and I don't know. Um, and throws it against and kills all the cameras and shit and, uh, you know, dangles all the guys there. I think it's, it's a fun action sequence, but, uh, a little, a little too goofy for me where it's just like, oh, there's a black market in the back of like a purse sale of a mall. Like, or, of a mall? I don't know. It was, well, but then it was kind of goofy. Then that black market is actually relevant later. Oh, it's relevant. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But just like that, that was the setting. Yeah. I, sure. I think yeah. this like first hour for me. I, I would say that I didn't really need that scene, but then we basically get no 
Wonder Woman in the first hour without that. That is, I, and that, I, I've said this before, that is one of my biggest pet peeves with superhero movies is when the hero is just not doing hero things. It's like, I I know. Like, I, I understand that there's story to be built and, and things like that. But, like, I feel like the setup could have been a lot faster. Um you know and they're like i don't know i don't know necessarily know if this script allows for more just like wonder woman badass fights and stuff but that is one of my biggest pet peeves with superhero movies is just when the hero is not in costume and not doing superhero things that really frustrates me because it's like that's that's what i'm here to see i'm here to see the superhero do superhero things i always feel that you've got to build up the character before you give me that like end battle and then there's emotional payoff like sure but she had a whole I, other movie you yeah know? that that is true um Two i don't movies. from my point of view and this might be my biggest gripe with the movie i didn't need more action i just needed better action i'm gonna be honest that's fair i yes. was so underwhelmed by the action sequences in this movie i thought they were so flavorless and so like uninteresting even while they were happening i was like i was bored during them and it feels weird to to say this like as a complaint about the movie, but honestly, like I I just needed them to be a little more violent, maybe um, <laughs> not necessarily violent, but more you know more visceral, more immersive. I wanted you know I it's just it's it's bizarre, and I actually I had to just go back and watch Birds of Prey again yesterday because the action in that is so is fantastic and like. It's so the cocaine you know, scene. What? I said the cocaine scene. The cocaine scene. <laughs> the the bone crunching sound effect bone in this, crunching. and it's so creative and like fun to watch. The carnival this, scene. Yeah, it's great. And Wonder Woman. I I didn't get any of that. Like no. the the action just feels so lackluster. And like one um some I I saw like some interview with Patty Jenkins where she was like, uh, no one is killed in this movie. Like no one is murdered, which I think. Which I think is true, uh, at least like by Wonder Woman. Which is Steve. goofy. Which no we'll one, talk about later. Like no one gets killed. Um, sure. Even though Steve sort of dies or just goes back to being dead. Um, but yeah, I I get, I didn't need her to be like ripping people's heads off. But like I feel like she didn't even hit anyone. Which just mm-hmm. it just made it feel like like what are you doing she was just sort of like swinging around and confusing people <laughs> it's like is not the kind of interesting Confusion. action that i want to see even even compared to the first wonder woman movie it's just so you know so drab and i didn't i never felt into any of it which I is a bummer given yeah. that it's an 80s movie and i was hoping that that fun and colorful vibe would transfer over to the action specifically the, scene, the action scene what's that it's that's what dc is great at mm-hmm. yeah creativity and specifically, the one action scene that I thought was really, really bad was the car chase, which is later on. Oh, that's the good one. I thought that I, was terrible. I think probably the worst one for me was the White House fight. Um, just because I, it's funny yeah. because I, I was watching, um, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you know that I watched every X-Men movie in a week. Um, and so recently I, I watched Logan, um, which of course is just a brutal movie, um, what a brutal guy that Logan Great is. Great movie. Uh, but it is it is a really good movie. Um, but, like, this was just such an interesting change of pace um, from, from that movie. And, like, just to, the fact that nobody died and, like, nobody really, like, got that badly hurt. I was just like, huh, 
I forgot that superhero movies don't have to have beheadings and, like, brutal stabbings every, like, well, four minutes. It feels too sterile. And then combined with the overly utopian ending where fucking everyone renounces their wish, it just, it's like, it's way too optimistic of an ending. <laughs> and it just feels way too sterile of a film. We live in 2020. I know for a fact that not everyone would come together right? like that. Yeah. The greater good? Fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. want a race car. <laughs> <laughs> I um also yeah the White House fight was bad that was my original thesis with that we'll get into all the different action sequences this is probably my least favorite these first two um maybe the cheetah one too the cheetah one's not great cheetah I'll agree the action's not fantastic in this film but I don't think it's like a huge negative for the film and for me though I, I, I definitely disagree with Brennan in terms of what I'm looking for in a superhero movie I didn't care that there wasn't much Wonder Woman in this movie I actually liked it because I thought the stuff where she was just being Diana Prince was better than the action stuff. Because for me, those are always the standout parts of superhero movies. You know, I think it's the, it's the, the foreplay almost before the action, you know, it's the, the characters talking to each other. It's the characters. Exactly. It's necessary. I'm not saying it's not necessary. No, I know you're not saying it's not necessary, but I'm saying like for me in terms of like the hour of this movie where it's just Steve and Diana talking, I almost find that more interesting than any of the action in the movie. I think my problem is that there has to be like, if you're going to do that, there has to be some like really interesting connect between who like that superhero is and who that person's secret identity. I think that's the reason that like, I mean, going back to X-Men, I think that's the reason that the Wolverine movies like work so well with Hugh Jackman is because like... I don't need Hugh Jackman to be in the yellow and black striped Wolverine costume because, you know, just having him as Logan is, is like that in and of itself, everything he does is as Wolverine, you know, uh, and, or with Iron Man, with, with Robert Downey Jr., you know, he, like, he is just constantly this character and I'm never getting like this disconnect where I'm like, okay, I'm bored. It's just people talking. And I think that was like, kind of my problem with this movie is that like there is just such a disconnect for me between uh you know diana prince and and wonder woman in in a lot of ways because we just don't get that side of her for a lot of this movie i think brendan what you're like getting at is that the superhero off costume has to be as interesting as he or she is in costume and i touched on this in the beginning of the episode but I, I don't know if Gal Gadot does a great job in the in the dialogue scenes in this movie. I think her and Steve still have good chemistry. Sure. But I, I think that she is a much better icon, like conceptual superhero badass than she is an actress. And specifically, there's a scene with her and Kristen Wiig when they're out for dinner somewhere that I thought just felt very still The queer baiting and scene? I, and and, I, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't quite ever get any sort of interiority to wonder to wonder woman as you know off costume which i was looking for yeah I which i guess is the difference because i felt that way and in that scene with with kristen wiggs character definitely queer baiting the, the the moment they were on scene on screen yeah. together and she was like oh i haven't felt this way in so long I'm like just kiss already dude the like, sexual oh, tension so in that scene it was I, it was so no. much better than happiest season oh don't even go there that's a great movie <laughs> it made uh, me very mad that's um, also a great movie. Um, that scene made me very mad because I was just like, this is so obviously like them just being like, oh, is Diana in the community? Maybe she is. And I was like, just like, 
this is so such like queer baby bullshit, you know? It, it was just very frustrating to have them like just plant those seeds to like for no reason um it was just classic queer baiting and it made me very upset Mm -hmm. i think what could have been really good with the barbara character is if if dc and warner had the balls to do it make barbara the new love interest by the end of the movie make her realize that steve is gone and have barbara be her new love interest because their chemistry is fantastic in this scene yes i think they're I think, I, no, I'm going to disagree. I think Gal Gadot is great in this scene. I think Kristen Wiig is great throughout, until she becomes the cat lady. I think she's quite good in this movie. Um, even though I hate the trope of her character of being like the, oh, so we're going to make this pretty person clumsy and unattractive and put glasses and grease up their hair and make them, you know, that be their backstory. I know there's a lot going around on Twitter right now about that. And I don't like it either. It's a stupid trope. Yeah, um, but in terms of this scene, like they have really good chemistry. And yes, it was queer baby, but also at the same time, I was like, just kiss already because it's obvious that you two have this good chemistry. So I yeah, know that's why it's so shitty that they did this. I know. And they could have, they could have done through. it. They definitely could have. And they, but like, I knew that they weren't going to follow through with sure. it. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of forget sometimes that like, there are probably audiences that wouldn't be ready for that. And they're like, the studio isn't going to have fuck the balls that. for Who cares? it. Right. That's like, bullshit. fuck that. I, I feel like they should, like, that would have made this a, a far more interesting movie. And also it would have opened up a lot of doors in the future. For instance, if Barbara didn't become Cheetah in this movie and we could save it, you know, for the next one down the line, I mean, sure. we, we can just talk about this now. As far as I know, Cheetah is kind of like Wonder Woman's main villain. Yeah. So for really? her to be used as like a side character in the second movie is kind of a disappointment. And then she's not Cheetah by the end. So what's next? What's next, DC? You know, no, it what seems like I, they're setting her up know. for later movies. What but are you planning on doing with this? Yeah, but know. like... The way that she got her powers was the Dreamstone, and then she, you know, renounced her wish. I guess we didn't see Presumably. her renouncing it, but, you know, we can assume based on the fact that she she wasn't a Jellicle at the end. So, <laughs> I don't know. It seems it seems odd. She seems a little bit of a wasted character. So Completely. Yeah, yeah di- disappointed with this. It's, it's a bummer because, you know, at this point, I think we've successfully gone through all of the Wonder Woman villains that I know. You know, we've we've had we've had Ares, we've had Cheetah, um, and if if rumors are to be believed, we have Darkseid coming up in the in the Snyder Cut. Um, I I don't know. Great. I, I, I think that's 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 kind of all I'm aware of. Um, well, speaking... and and it's not like they need to keep going with these massive villains. Like I'm going to keep coming back to Birds of Prey because I just watched it, but sure. like Roman Sionis is not you know. A, a huge like mastermind villain in the in in the dc comics you know people yeah. have heard of him but like he's not that big of a deal but they made him he's a big a deal in the comics. And he's like probably the best villain in right the arkham games so if yeah exactly he's so i mean they can take keep out. taking characters like that you know minor characters from the comics i'm okay if it's another you know they introduced simon stagg in this movie i think it would be really cool to see uh simon stagg and and metamorpho in the next movie it could be really interesting well like you're saying that, like Roman Cyanus in Birds of Prey is the best villain in this series. Yeah, I oh, would yeah. say. But okay, he's very. Good. I would. Who, who's better? That. You, Pedro Pascal. Oh, you would say that Pedro Pascal in this movie is the best villain in this series. Yeah, you mean in the DC? Uh, in the DC EU, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, definitely. He's good, but I don't know. I, I, I would say probably the two of them are the best, but oh yeah, I think I mean, he Ares... is the best. But I'm upset yeah. that they killed him off. You know, spoilers. For but they killed him off in a fun way. But no, they, I, they did, but then, like, we can never have him again. It's just, I know. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. It's disappointing, but also, I think for that movie to work, you needed to kill the 
gross man character at the end. I think well, that I killed that. I that we needed so. that catharsis of blowing yeah. up that dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that uh, Kathy Yan made the right right decision there. Um, but uh, yeah, no. With with uh, Pedro Pascal, I guess we can get into that, and then we can maybe talk even more about what could have been with Barbara uh, in this film. Uh, I, I agree. I think Pedro Pascal, I, again, I, I said this in, I, be, I believe I said this in the Wonder Woman podcast that uh, Chris Pine was the best performance in the Wonder Woman movie, and that's kind of disappointing. Here, it's not only just Chris Pine, but it's Chris Pine and Pedro Pascal. Yeah, uh, and again, they were both fantastic. And I will say, I think Gal Gadot is much, much better in this movie than she was in the first movie. I think she is k- kind of finally coming into herself as an actress a little bit. I agree with Matt. I don't think she's going to win an Oscar anytime soon. I don't think she's going to be some great actress, but she can be a really good movie star, which is, I think what she is in this movie. I think she's quite good. Um, but next to the, the so just crazy and fun performance of Pedro Pascal, it, it's tough uh, to, to really praise Gal Gadot when Pedro Pascal is just so fun in this movie. And I will say, you know, going into this and seeing that Kristen Wiig was playing Cheetah, um, I was a little unsure. I was, I was kind of like, I don't, why, why Kristen Wiig? Um, but by the end, you know, I, I thought she did like as good as uh, a good a job as, as was required for that role in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, she was good. I, 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 good I really job. dug her performance. I thought it totally yeah. made sense for the character of Cheetah. Um, yeah. I don't like what they did with the character in the script and any of that, but I thought with what she was given, she was very good. Yeah. I don't think that there could have been a better performance with that material. Mm-hmm. I think she was as good as she could have been. So, um, we're I mean, we're going pretty much out of order, um, which I think is fine. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pine, let's let's talk about it. I have no issue with It happens pretty early. It's a Christmas. Yeah, I, I I have no issue with his performance. Um, I think he's great again. Yeah, I think he's great I think he's, again. I think he's very think good. He's good yeah. Um, it's just off-putting with the whole <laughs> thing how he's in someone else's body, and really there was no reason that this had to be the way it was. Maybe nope. in like an early draft of the script, they had you know someone recognizes him as the other guy, and that's important in some way. But nope. Just this random dude whose body he stole. There's no reason that the mechanic could have, couldn't have just been, oh, Chris Pine came back, or uh, Steve Trevor came back in his own body. Yeah. Like, no yeah. reason As that it couldn't have wish. been that. Yeah. All it does is, like, introduce these questions of, like, you know, did, who is this guy? Why is he, you know, his life has just been Handsome stolen. Handsome man. Handsome man. His life has just been stolen. Like, did he get fired from his job because he didn't show up for a week? Did he... You know, and then, like, it's not like they're trying to, like, make a joke out of it or not humanize him because they show him at the end and he's like, he's a nice, likable guy. Yeah, she could date him. Why not? She could date him. And also just the fact that, like, he is, like, she's making out with that body for the entire movie. But, like, she sees Chris Pine, so that's what Mm -hmm. we see. But, like, all it does is introduce questions that they never grapple with. I think this is one of the weirdest and worst parts of the movie. It's a very weird choice to be sure. It's a bad decision in the script writing phase, I think. There is no, like you said, there was no reason why the Wish couldn't have just manifested Chris Pine's body again. Yeah, and like, I guess they weren't trying to open up that rabbit hole, which is then like, okay, we're just raising bodies from the dead, like there's too much power. But it's much weirder to just insert him into someone else's body. And they do kind of the shift where you realize everybody else is seeing Handsome Man, but she is seeing Chris Pine. But he's it's just in, there for us. It is just body. there for the audience. And I, but I don't know why they need to do that because 
Chris Pine, Steve Trevor is not some icon in American history. So it's not like people would recognize him <laughs> on the screen. Like, Steve Trevor? Yeah. Like, he, he wasn't like a, an award winning pilot in the war. He died in a plane crash. I think people, the public mostly forgot about that person. He did explain. Yeah, yeah. It would, I mean, it would have been kind of interesting if, if at the end they're like, oh, handsome man is like. I don't know, Dick Grayson or something. I'm just like going out of nowhere. <laughs> or his grandson, and he had some love child that wasn't talked about in the first movie. That would have been fine too, because they look somewhat similar. Yeah, like, they, they do, which is why it's just weird. Like, just have it be Steve Trevor. You could. Yeah, this is a two weird. and a half hour movie. You're not like grappling for content here. No. Yeah, it's it, not like you have to dig up the body, but just like you know, just bring him back. You know, movie magic, whatever. Yeah, it's it's a weird decision. It's already again, a dreamstone that grants your wishes. Like, I know this is not like you don't. I don't know. It's like they're they're trying to like more. adhere to some real world rules, but like also also they're not at all. So like just just commit to it. Just commit to the goofiness, DC. Yeah, That's what you're good yeah. at. Yeah, commit. To I would that. say what what makes it the weirdest is the scene at the end. Even though it's a nice scene, I think both of the actors are quite good in that scene. Um, it's weird, because if you think about it, it's like, huh, Wonder Woman knows that she had sex with that body, with her dead boyfriend's soul in the body, and it just, it makes it really weird, because it's like, just, it's like almost, um, uh, like, like, being John Malkovich style, or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, get out style, where it's like, you know that it's, the other person was there in the back of your mind, and it's just, it's just this weird, like, control, like, almost, like, I don't even want to say the word, just, it, it's just, it feels gross when you think about the context at the end of just her standing there smiling, and this dude just clueless as to what happened to him during this week that he was oh, not so himself. Weird. It's weird. Why'd you open that can of worms? It's yep. really weird. Yeah, this weird um, idea of, like... It's not a weird idea, but, like, this idea of, like, he didn't give his consent for any of that to exactly. happen. Exactly. So it's a little... That's what I was saying. Uh, I think... Oh, let's just it, focus on Gal, Gadot, Gal Gadot's child and husband in the background of the scene making their cameo. Don't think about I it know. too much. It just, it just feels... So, like, again, there is such an easy way to avoid it. Just yeah. have Steve come back just as Steve. Just have him come back to life. And you don't need any of this. There is none of these weird moral questions that you bring up yeah. because of it. It seems like they were going for like more of those '80s callbacks, like some sort of Freaky Friday. That's thing. what I was but just thinking. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And again, okay, all of that being said, I still really like Chris Pine and Steve as a character in this movie. Yeah, I think but like beyond this, the weird mechanics, I agree. But there's it for me. There's just this like weird shadow cast over all of it. Where like that's not him. You know, it's just. I think he's great, but it's it's always hard for me to forget that he's not really Steve Trevor, you know. I gotta be honest, I didn't... He was good in the movie, right? He's always got a great charisma and they have good chemistry. I didn't really buy, like, the whole, I've been, like, pining after Chris Pine <laughs> for, you know, 70 plus, or, you know, 50 whatever years or so. Like, I just didn't, like, really? You've just been celibate this entire time for this one guy? Like... And now he's back. Like, is he really that special? I like him, but like, really? Can you just move on? I just it didn't really buy it for me. Yeah, I it it doesn't make much sense. Um, in terms of her being like immortal, like maybe seventy years isn't that long for her to be moping. But even that that opening scene where she's sitting at the the restaurant, it's like, no, it'll just be me. And she's like sad looking around. I'm like, dear God, dumb. Diana, Diana, honey, make a friend. 
make a friend. <laughs> you are a god. Like you're fine. Like it. Like I know you loved him. That was seventy years ago. You can make other friends. Like I'm sure that. And, and, and again, I I do like how they address it later in the movie. And I think that later in the movie, there's a lot of really good themes and scenes and moments about grief and moving on. And I think that it's Let's very. Get into that. I think it's. I, oh yeah, we can get into it now. The scene where he is saying, where she says, like, and I think it's one of Gal Gadot's best scene in the movie, uh, when she says, like, you are all that I've wanted. Like, uh, all this time, I'm fine with giving myself to being, like, basically, she's like, I'm fine with being a selfless superhero. This is just the one thing I want. Why can't I have it? And he's like, that's crazy. What are you talking about? He was like, yeah. Like, he, like he, I feel like it even acknowledges, like, yeah, I'm a good person, and we had this great time together, but that's insane for you to not move on with your life and i think that's that is probably chris pine's best scene too i think he is great in that scene in the apartment where he was just like you that is very nice thank you i love you but also you need to move on and it's not like like that's not healthy yeah so definitely a very interesting thing to be saying that's a i mean you know that that's what that's what sci-fi and fantasy should do they should you know use these metaphors of of very fantastical elements to to teach a uh, uh, real world lessons, yeah, I have I have no issue with that. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get to the the final scene between them, which I think is probably the best scene in the movie. But um, getting into the Barbara stuff and with the stone, uh, with uh, Max Lord. So I I do I I like the comedy built in with everyone suddenly finding Kristen Wiig like super attractive and all the men like flopping over her. I think that's funny stuff. Funny. I think that's fun stuff um the uh she also plays the awkwardness really well yeah she does and again i hate the trope but she does well with what she's given um but uh i i really like the the ball scene where where steve and diana first meet i think that's a a good scene um whatever gala scene whatever guys giving me looks on the zoom call (laughs) the ball. ball scene um but um i i do have a, a couple a couple things with this scene i I get that it's a superhero movie and that Gal Gadot is a very beautiful woman, but if she was trying to not, if she was trying to just blend in and find Max Lord and find the stone, why is she dressing in this immaculate white gown with her hair all done and just like being like this massive, like beauty icon at this thing when she's trying to blend in and all the guys are looking at her like, like, dude, like God, why, why did the movie feel the need to do this? She's a God. She's got to do it. I know, I know. I love that part. Uh, no, the the this, the dress yeah, is gorgeous, but the dress is gorgeous. But in terms of the movie, it's like Diana, you're trying to blend in. Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, you know, what? if I have to go, I'm gonna fucking flex on everybody. Just send it, full yeah. send it. Yeah, if you're gonna go um, to town. Might as well go. But speaking of going to town, I really liked Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal's chemistry <laughs> um, in this scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought they were good. I thought they were fun. They had really good chemistry in this scene. No, yeah, um, they are good. That uh, that was a fun scene. Yeah, Kim, it was. Kim, a, yeah, I was just gonna say it's a little goofy when he's like puts her on it on her desk, starts making out with her, and then she doesn't realize that he just grabs this massive rock and just <laughs> holds it behind his back. Like, did he just completely? Did he do the whole thing with one arm behind his back, That's and she didn't say. realize? Was yeah. it just ostensibly one arm behind his back the entire time? Who I knows? guess. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe she was just that entranced by his sexiness. This by his sexy how peel. I do it. If if you were being seduced by Pedro Pascal, would you really care how many hands he's using? I mean, I would be a little confused. Oh, be like, dude, why is your left arm just behind your back the entire time? Both of those why? big Mandalorian arms. Come on. Yeah. Um, 
Um, it is weird going from Mandalorian season two finale to this with Pedro <laughs> yeah. Pascal. Very, very different characters. Um, yep. Good range on that guy. Very He's fatherly great. in um, both. Can we talk about the the scene where Kristen Wiig like kind of develops these cheetah powers, and she like fucks up that one guy, the one creepo who yes. assaulted her earlier. It's a in good the movie. scene. Badass scene. Um, that was the best this... fight scene in the movie. Like, someone <laughs> saying all of Wonder Woman stuff is so boring compared to well, this. This is my problem with this scene. Like, she's walking down the street, and we see the guy. And she starts to, like, kick him, and she's, like, developing these powers. She's realized that she has this strength. And there's, like, this very, like, ominous, brooding, like, villain music in the background. And the and she, like, flings this guy to the ground, like, just, like, fucking him up. And then, like, the nice homeless guy who we had seen earlier comes in. And he's like, what, what are you doing? Like, oh, my God. And he, like, runs away frightened. Am I supposed to feel bad for the guy? Like, no, yeah. like, kill no. him, yeah. destroy him. Yeah. Why is this villain music playing? She Reckon. did nothing wrong. I was like, it's a very exactly. it's a very weird tone that they chose to pursue with that. Like, that somehow this is like, oh no, this is wrong. But it's like, you know damn well, every woman watching this has wanted to beat the fuck out of the guys who sexually harass them on the street. And like, I don't fucking blame them. Like, kick their fucking dick through yeah. their mouth like this should be That's a badass image. scene well it's mm-hmm. a good image um but like you know it's a it's a it's a badass thing that she does here and like i'm sure that it's it's completely relatable for every woman who is watching this and i don't know who made this decision to be like this is a bad thing because it's like no well, it's, it's like not a turning moment in her villain arc it's and, weird like, it's like what I pushes get her over it, though <laughs> like if yeah. she was like, beating up the homeless man that would be sad. <laughs> For no reason. Then it would have been like, oh, what are you doing, Barbara? Why are you doing this? I didn't want him to, I didn't want her to kill him. But yeah, when she was beating him up, I'm like, good, fuck that guy. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't like this huge turning point. I think it was supposed to be like what, what Wonder Woman says. Again, the Barbara character, I think is just completely wasted. Um, and Wonder Woman's later, it's like, what have you lost? Like you've lost your humanity and all that warmth and all that stuff. And it's like, I think this was supposed to be the origin of that, but it, it doesn't like, I don't think that her doing this would have been like this big moment for me being like, oh, I can't root for her anymore. Like, no, right? she fucked him up. Yeah. Like, yeah, good job. Keep yeah. going. And you can still be your same warm, bubbly personality that you were before. So yeah, it was, it was it work like very way. cathartic for me to watch. I was, I was rooting yeah. for Cheetah in that scene. So uh-huh. yeah, it's a, it's a weird moment. And again, I like this movie, but I fully acknowledge that it's messy. Like yeah. it's not, it's not perfect, but I enjoy watching it's it. Sloppy. Um, it is a little sloppy, sloppy. but, um, so yeah, after this, we, we get the, the sequence, which, and again, when, when it is Chris Pine on the screen, it's Chris Pine. I think he's a lot of fun. He has a lot of fun quips. I love the, um, well, shit, Diana, <laughs> I, that's a great line. I love his quip when, when, uh, he's like, come on the shoes. I like the shoes. Give me the shoes. She's like, you can, you, you can use the shoes. And he's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. It just, when he's fun, when he's having fun being the fish out of water i think he's really good oh the moment where uh she's like come on come on steve this way and she they start to go towards the uh, escalator and he goes just goes huh like i don't i don't know why it's just such a stupid little like sound that he makes but it <laughs> makes cute. me giggle it's cute and i think he's he's really really fun in this movie um and again probably him and pedro pascal the best part of it yeah the um, the like all the fish out of water stuff is very tropey it's nothing new like we saw it in the yeah, first one new, but, but you know fun. at the same say, time it's, it's, it's very fun very well done well acted you know it's enjoyable i think it's i think yeah. it's a fun reversal of of the first time they met how he had to mm-hmm. like explain to her what everything was and now True. she's explaining it to him i think yeah. it's cute it, it 
I, I, I agree. I think it's very cute. And again, Gal Gadot isn't, she's not asked to do too much in these scenes, but again, she's good. She is good enough, you know, for him to play off of her. And, you know, in the first movie, it was, it needed to be her to have all the reactions. And this time it's just him needing to have the reactions. And I think it, again, as a parallel between the two movies, if you're watching them back to back, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. The, the only thing that I don't understand about this scene, just in terms of creative choice, why is there opera music playing during all of this? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Why? I don't know. I guess. But does it... I, this, this was the scene that needed the fun... The fun 80s, 80s yeah, exactly. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not opera. And if you're going for elegance, show me, like, actually shoot inside the Smithsonian where she works. Give me more, like, actually cool interior shots of there. That was my yeah. Favorite. Yeah, it was... It's, it's just a strange choice. Um... But I'm trying to think what exactly happens after this. I guess Max gets the uh, the rock and becomes the rock, which was interesting. Um, Does he eat it? Unfortunately, he doesn't become the, I the, use the, rock the stone to become the stone. You're which looking is at goofy. It. It's goofy, but it's like goofy it. in the 1980s action movie kind of goofy that I mm-hmm. go with. Yeah. And like it makes sense in a like sort of fun comic book way. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, it's a MacGuffin, but it works. I also yeah. like the idea that this thing has been around for like a millennia and somehow he is the first one to think of, I'll just be the stone. Yeah. <laughs> that it took like how, like how many different societies and civilizations like dealing with this thing that destroyed them and built them up. And he's the first one to be like, what if I just became the stone? <laughs> I'm the spy. But I'm it is the stone. <laughs> I am the Senate. <laughs> I think it's an interesting thing. It's sort of like a, a Prometheus type idea. You know, mm. it's um, there's this thing that's been, you know, been found like separately in all these different civilizations. And yeah, I, I sort of wish they would have uh, uh, delved into that a little more. Uh, it's sort of it's been the, the cause of destruction for all these civilizations. Yeah. It's sort of, um, you know, very similar to uh, the first one, how, you know, Ares was the reason for. Um, you know, supposed reason for all war and it's sort of all coming back to this and it's, a, it's kind of making a sort of fable-like, kind of making a fantasy explanation for um, you know, just things that have just happened in the real world, like these civilizations falling. So yeah, I think it's good. And anytime you bring up Prometheus, I get happy because that movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, Matt gets sad. I do like yes. Michael Fassbender more these days. But that's that because of so Magneto. Good. He's so good in those movies too. But Wonder Woman. Um I really like the uh the Cairo action scene that we get a little later. It's it's super goofy, the all the the Middle Eastern stuff in terms it's, of like the politics and the wall yeah. that's built. It's weird I don't don't know what they were getting at with it. It's weird, it feels stereotypy, and it's, I don't like it. It's but this action like, sequence is cool. It, the action sequence is fine. I think it's it's like weirdly offensive, you know? Yeah. It just like as someone who is like has some you know i'm of someone that's of middle eastern descent i was just like this is a really weird way to like portray my people you know and and just kind of like i don't know it was it was just very like it felt very 80s movie kind of like this is what everyone in the 80s thought that the middle east was and this is the trope that because it's 2020, you get to leave out of your movie. You yeah. don't have to I have know. it. No, it's just like, why did you add this weird racism in? And I, I don't know. It was very. It's strange. a it's a very standard kind of thing to do. I, I get what, I'm not I'm not defending it, but it, it's very typical of 
just movies in general. Of an 80s action movie, which you get to leave out because you're not making the movie in the 80s anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, but, uh, you know, it's just a way for... I mean, they could have set this in like, like you know, make up a make up a fictional country, make up a, a Wakanda yeah. or a Sokovia or whatever, um, you know, to, to set this in. But yeah, it's just a way to be like, yep, Americans don't know what this place is really like, so it's just kind of a an other with a capital O. Um, Everyone yep. there is either an oil baron or dirt poor, yep. according to this movie. And that's, there's a big wall, and they hate heathens. Like what? What are yeah. you talking about? Why did it's, you do it's, this? It's goofy. Uh, but to talk about this action scene. I really don't like this action scene. I think this is where the worst CGI comes in. The no. shot, oh god, the shot of her swinging on the rope and picking up those two kids and then just fucking rolling with them. Like she smacks the ground hard. Yeah, like, she does. Look, I get it. Movie magic. Like you know, it's not like it has to be super realistic. But the way she scoops up those kids, like that's not how physics no, works. I just, I don't yeah. know physics, but her I know her hand it is work like. Anyway partially on the kid's like upper shoulder that is not gonna keep them no um he's just gonna get smacked to the ground what's so funny is that (laughs) from the kid's perspective like they were just picked up and then immediately dropped on the ground like imagine there imagine without the slow motion without the music without them really even like knowing the context of the situation they're just picked up and then thrown on the ground these poor kids (laughs) oh jesus Jesus. (laughs) just do and then, and then it rolled a couple times. I'll give you the ending of the action sequence isn't that good, but I do like. First of all, I like I I beyond the racist stuff. I think Pedro Pascal once he has his uh, his powers and he's like, yeah, what do you wish for? And he gets very smooth and uh, charismatic. I think that this is really where Pedro Pascal really starts to yeah really come into his own as like a, a goofy eighties action villain uh, earlier in this scene. But then on the actual, the actual action scene leading up to the kid stuff, I agree with you. The kid stuff is stupid. As soon as there was kids on the road, I was like, Jesus, I don't need this trope. <laughs> the <on."> other thing <laughs> that's totally unnecessary about it is that when Diana and the kids are on the ground, the cars go around them. They were never going to try to run over the kids. So she didn't have to pick them up in the first place. It's you like Max Lord is, that. Yeah, Max Lord is evil in some ways, but in other, it's like he's not trying to kill children. He's, he's not, not just trying gonna to run like kids over random kid. kids he's who are playing gonna... soccer in the street. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such an unnecessary part of the scene. But the action scene itself, leading up to it, is super cool. I love. It's, fine. it's, fine. <laughs> it's stupid when when Steve like rams the car into the back of a tank. Like that's not gonna work. But like when he runs up on it and starts punching the guy and kicking the the thing, that's fun. And when Diana's running on the street, she like gets out of the car and all of a sudden she's in the Wonder Woman garb and she's running and catches up with them and then starts getting hurt because the powers are going away and she yeah. when she's laying under the car and kicks it up and is flying i think it looks awesome it's fun i love this action scene yeah. you know it's interesting that you mentioned um how he wouldn't uh, how maxwell lord wouldn't have killed the kids um i think that uh, just uh, switching gears a little bit i think maxwell lord is a very sympathetic villain i mean we get the scenes of him and his mm-hmm. son um and and you know that sort of like how he thinks that he's failed his son by being like a failure um and that's a like, human version of trump somewhat one would say yeah. sure um you know and he does have this humanity i think that like they could have made him a more sympathetic villain um you know I, like just in in seeing more of his relationship uh with his son like even in these instances where it's like oh there are kids and like maybe that makes him think of his son um if we had seen the trauma with his dad earlier than if the we last had seen the trauma with his dad earlier um 
I, I don't know. I think that, like, well, Pedro Pascal gives a phenomenal performance in this movie. So um, fun. He, he's such a fun character uh, and su- such an interesting one. I think that, like, in that first hour where we're sort of dragging on, that there's there could have been so much more development with his character, you know? I I don't know. Maybe Maybe, like, something to help you, like, to really solidify the idea, like, that, no, this is, like, a really toxic behavior, but, like he doesn't realize it until it's too late instead of just him kind of going crazy and being like, I need to touch people. Let me touch them. Well, maybe if they would have done a sort of like Will Smith pursuit of happiness vibe where like Jaden Smith is his son and they're like running around. He's trying to sell like, you know, those little boxes, but he's being an unsuccessful businessman. If they leaned into more of that, you know, maybe there would have been more sympathy, but overall still like him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a he's a really good character overall, but I think they could they could have done more with him. And yeah, the, the ending with him is super goofy. And uh, I love I, it though when he just goes. And usually, oh I no, don't no, like... no 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 no! I'm saying the very end, like his redemption. Oh yes, when he his runs redemption out. is super goofy. Yeah. But I I don't know. I like him in these scenes. And again, Pedro Pascal. I saw one Letterbox review it was a negative review of the film. It said actor. Uh, Pedro Pascal in critical conditions ab- after having to carry this entire film on his back for two, hour- two yeah. and a half hours. Um, which I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I think he does carry the movie in a lot of ways. And yeah, I mean, he's a really fun villain. I think his storyline is serviceable. It's good enough. And I think by the end of it, I think he is a good enough Trump metaphor and a good enough uh, critique of American capitalist society that it worked for me. But in terms of a character with motivations, I think it could, he could have had... Yeah, I agree with Brennan. I think he could have had better motivation. Um, but I, I do like the moments where he's like... He, I, I like the the idea, and it's a very... Again, I don't know how people miss that this isn't... They, like, oh, no, this isn't a Trump metaphor. The whole thing is that he uses TV with the White House seal behind him. What? How is that not a metaphor for Trump? Like, come on, guys. Like, come on. Uh Use a little critical thinking skills. Even if you disagree with the message, that's obviously the message of the movie. Yeah, if Trump were uh, smart enough to do this, he definitely would. If he, yeah. if, if this stone existed in real life, uh, Trump would be too dumb to use it. Well, but if he were smart enough, true. he would want to. Well, here's true. the thing, though. It is, the whole thing is the metaphor for that kind of con man businessman. Like, yeah. you know, he, he had people buy into the him as this idea, as this story. He's like, I will, you know, have all of these different, you know... Uh, wealth and you can buy in and in reality he's a failure and uh, bankrupted six to seven companies depending on the way you look at it um some of them were joint ventures but uh and then in the end using this fake power that he has over the television to talk to people and to get them to do things against their self-interest it's a very obvious metaphor and especially and it it was remarkably prescient too yeah but again it's super obvious but that's me saying that is not a criticism of the movie it's the criticism of people saying that this isn't a trump metaphor Mm -hmm. um it's 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 very obviously a trump metaphor and it works it's goofy and it works yeah Um, and i i you know usually i don't like when villains get too crazy and too deranged and just too off the rails love to hear the ending the papers are swirling around him. You know, the, everybody has left this fucking control room. It's just him. Like, you get your wish, and you get your wish. And, like, his hair is flying. He's got this insane, like, early Cobra. James Spader energy to him. It's great. And then when he's bathed in the blue light at the end, I love it. He's just cackling. And just like, <laughs> yes, yeah. you can have anything you want. I'm, yeah, yeah it, it's fun. It, it's strange that um, the climax of this of this movie isn't really any kind of action sequence it's just wonder woman doing a doing a broadcast 
I feel like that, which I like the intention. Yeah, like that might not work uh, most of the time, but I think it. I, I think it pretty much works here. I mean, they they set up that mm-hmm. you know the lasso doesn't just make you tell the truth; it can show you the truth. So, yeah, she is showing the truth to all these people of the world, uh, and that's why they that's why they all renounce their wishes. Here's the pro- I wish they would have just fully devoted to this. And I don't know how much of this is Patty Jenkins' fault or just DCEU, you know, corporate executives' fault. But I like how they, they have this idea of, like, no, we're not going to end on this massive battle. It's not like Pedro Pascal, in, like, the style of David Thewlis, even, like, turns into a massive villain. He's always Thank in, God. His, I was waiting for he's in his own body, which is a good idea. But they feel the need to insert this, it is completely visually incoherent fight scene between the Cat Lady and Wonder Woman. Yeah. I, I can't tell you what the hell went on in that scene. Which, by the way... When did this happen? When did she turn into a cat? Because literally she was just standing there with Pedro Pascal and the next scene she is just cheetah. Like, out of fucking nowhere. Well, I mean, she wished for it's it. It's terrible. Like, he... like, as a fight scene and just visually with the sound, with the characters, it is all terrible. So what I hmm. what I will say is, you know, in terms of... A, a big thing I think with superhero movies is that people want the costumes from the comics to match what they're wearing on screen. And I for the iterations of Cheetah that I've seen, it's basically just her in a cheetah bodysuit. Um so they never so they didn't even need to make her a cat? Are you serious? Well, I mean so in like the original Ugh. like the the like the the challenge of the super friends or whatever, um fucking Cheetah in the Legion of Doom is literally just a woman in a cheetah morph suit. Uh but like, oh god, why didn't they just do that? The- <laughs> i'm saying that i think that this was fairly accurate to like what a lot of the more modern iterations of cheetah were however i don't know if i necessarily this is the one situation where i'm like did i want the real fur technology to make a comeback in in this movie Um, did they not learn anything did they did hollywood not learn like cats came out it was a disaster why are you doing (laughs) this again yeah i'm actually gonna disagree with you guys on this i Love Cheetah's design here. I wi- I think the face looks weird. They did weird things with the makeup. You can't really tell that it's Kristen Wiig under there. That was bad. That's okay. But yeah, this costume or not really a costume, but she's a villain. The way that the way that Cheetah looks, this is exactly what I would have wanted. It's it's a pretty faithful adaptation. Um, it, you know, she's just a she's just a a, a furry woman. That's basically it. <laughs> uh, woman. and I think they use. I I think the real fur technology is the right thing to use here. I don't. I don't necessarily. I I don't think that it looks bad at all. I Ugh. I really just enjoy the enjoy the um the the whole the whole look of the cheetah and the fight scene as well. I wouldn't say it's bad. This is this might be my favorite action scene of the whole thing. This is what it's I'm saying. Favorite. Like, the um the, the camera work sort of like flipping around and looks very unrealistic and kind of disorienting. You know, I'm okay with that. I get that. That's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, you know, if you you want something more uh, realistic. Uh, more grounded this this is not that but you know it's it's a superhero movie they're gonna show you things that you wouldn't be able to uh see in real life and and this is one of those things and sort of slowing things down and moving all around in these you know these contorted like fight uh uh positions i I found it very interesting uh entertaining to watch i'm sure if i you know, it was in the dark i'm sure if they would have had it uh you know lighter i would have noticed oh that cgi looks completely terrible but yeah no in, in terms of the in terms of the cheetah design i think uh cats is the wrong use of real fur technology but i think here 
doesn't look half bad. It's pretty much exactly what I would have wanted for this character. I can't imagine if they would have just had to, if they would have done like, oh, she just wears like a fur coat or something for this final scene. Well, they did do that. (laughs) Really? Like, no. I'll tell you what the right thing is. They're going. Just don't have this character in this movie. It's a bad character. Like, it's just, you don't need it. I agree. For this movie, they should have picked probably a smaller character. Yeah. To, because I get what they wanted to do. They wanted to have, you know, someone in it who, who can give some action uh, to the climax before the broadcast. Because I, I feel like there would have been people who would have been disappointed about the broadcast. So, you know, put a character in who in here who can give Wonder Woman a really good fight uh, before this, you know, dialogue-based climax. Um, and but yeah, they, I, I didn't need Cheetah, but, uh, you know, if they were going to put Cheetah in it, I think they did it right. I, I have no gripes with the costuming here. No, this is my biggest negative with this movie. I dislike this ending. I this action sequence feels so out of nowhere. It's not it's not captivating in the way they shot it. The CGI looks bad. Like I could it's tell like artificially dark. I could tell that this was like that they were literally trying to hide as much of this CGI as possible. Patty Jenkins would pull the camera away as much as possible so that you did not see a close up of this this bad CGI. Yeah, it maybe, but any... I think they did that. <laughs> so. It doesn't make any sense with the characters, though. And again, that's what I'm coming back to. This stuff, the stuff that I really like about this movie, particularly, basically, the 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 tying into consumerism in the '80s and criticizing the '80s and what it did to the world, and the stuff with Chris Pine and Gal Gadot, because I thought that that was actually a really good theme about grief. This whole thing with Barbara makes no sense. I don't understand it. I don't understand why she's here in this movie if you are not going to make her the love interest. Honestly, they have such good com- uh, chemistry. If you want to have, like, maybe maybe that's the ending of the movie. She's saving both Pedro Pascal from himself and she's saving the person that she feels this connection to. Um, Diana is saving this person that she feels a connection to because of who she is as a person. That would have been, a, I think that would have been a really interesting and bold way to take this movie. Be like, okay, I am... And it would have fit so well with the the theme of it, wouldn't it? It have to have Barbara be the love interest at the end of this movie, because think about it: the whole plot of this movie is about her moving on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And about how there are other people out there, and that there's other things that need to be done. And instead of having this really interesting, complex superhero movie where the movie doesn't end with an action sequence, the movie ends with dialogue and her stopping one megalomaniacal person from ruining the world and saving this person that she has an actual connection with from going down this dark path. That would have been way more interesting than this shitty CGI action scene that ends with her dying. There is no way that she, she would die. not have died. Oh, she died. We watched her body die. And then she's just fine? What? I know. She's just well, fine. and it's brutal because for as, like, no murders there are in this death, Wonder Woman fucking holds her down in the water as she's getting shocked. And it's violent. It's like, That's are brutal. you murdering her? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, she's fine. but okay. I was like, whoa, but okay, I respect the choice to, like, go there. If you're not going to do what the what you should have done with Barbara's character, I respect the boldness of just killing her. And then they just cheap it out. And she's just like, nah, she's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally not defending okay. anything about the, the character. I'm not saying that Barbara isn't a wasted character, that her, her arc wasn't, you know, weird, or that this fight doesn't seem out of place within the story. I'm just, I'm, I'm defending the, the costuming choice. I think... They, I know, still, it looks bad. They, they, they did it justice though. I mean, bad. what would you, what would you have wanted for this costume? Design this costume. Literally, her in the White House scene. That would have been. Oh fine. my god, dude! No, the White House can't... scene was good. I like that action sequence. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was good, but like, I, I didn't enjoy that action sequence. But 
I definitely do. Compared to that, yeah. Just the, I don't know. It's just a lame thing to do. Like, I I want to see. I want to see comic book costumes. I don't just want to see, like, the the real world version of it. But what Brennan said is that that was the original costume, right, Brennan? I don't. What? Just her in in an outfit, not in a cheetah, not being like a furry cat. With oh, the tail. I'm gonna no, look no, this no. up because every time, every time I've seen Cheetah, she's been like half human, half cat, and she's that's, got a tail. I was saying that that's what the comic book version is: is her being half human, half cat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, in terms oh. of just like this fight scene in general, I, I I do appreciate the fact that it is you know shorter than all the other ones in the DC movies. Um, makes it feel less significant though doesn't it not necessarily i, I mean well yeah i mean it is though like because that's not, it's it's not the final battle i mean you know if this is if pedro pascal's encounter is the final boss cheetah is the mini boss in the at the halfway point of the dungeon you know she like i don't need it to be like a 20 minute fight scene of them smashing through buildings and just blowing shit up because it's it doesn't have to be that it's just it's the precursor to the final fight i think it was you know maybe if it's not like a perfect fight scene i think the length was appropriate for what it was yeah it just feels like a bit of a cop out for me you know it's like you want to make a unique severe movie with an ending that doesn't rely on superhero battle tropes but then they just fall back on it speaking of cop outs we can move to this ending with pedro pascal like like i said i love the performance i love what's going on here but then it just becomes this goofy thing where everyone renounces their wishes. Ugh. And you see these kind of like very, very like sh- like these little like shots of like someone uh, wishing that their spouse was dead. Someone wishing that this person would just someone wishing that those Irish people got deported. Yeah, that was intense. And, and they're so goofy. Like you see the one part of the man, the woman arguing. And he's like, oh, I wish you were dead. And then the lady Boom. just keels over and dies. And then you see it later, a dude is performing CPR in the back. And he's like, no, what have I done? I was laughing out loud. I renounced so wish. All of the renouncing stuff is goofy. Oh. But I really, like you said, I love Pedro Pascal in this scene. I think he's really good. And I love Gal Gadot in this scene. I think she... Uh, this and the the two scenes with Steve where like she's arguing with him and then like the one in the apartment and then the one and uh in the street when she like renounces him I think this is where honestly this is the best I've ever seen Gal Gadot these few scenes and I mean she was really good with Kristen Wiig early in the film at that restaurant scene but that was kind of a, a different kind of acting I thought she was great in this this little speech that she gave I thought she was believable I felt the emotion I like the tears felt real it I thought she was really, really good. And the problem with it is that I got pulled out of it by all the goofiness of all the people who were actually renouncing their wishes. Yeah. Like the, um, I, I, I think, but she was think, good. She was really good. I think people are missing the point a little bit with people renouncing their wishes. It's not just like she gives a really good speech and now people are good all of a sudden. It's that she <laughs> used the lasso to show them the truth. That's the whole, yeah. that's the whole point, which they set that up earlier with, um, Asteria. She, she shows Steve the, the truth, the vision of, um, of her which we'll talk about that at the end so fun um is it yes and yeah so you know we know that's how it works and and they use it so she shows people the truth that their society will be destroyed if they don't renounce their wish which it will and then they renounce it i think people are missing the point and and over criticizing that a little bit Um, i i think it's goofily presented i think that the presentation is the problem i think i understood i understood it and i understand what you're saying 
and I think that Gal Gadot is, I think the speech is quite good. I actually, I really like the speech, and I like the way it ties back to her storyline of, like, grieving and giving up uh, Steve Trevor as a, mm-hmm. as a huge part of her life that she is, you know, losing. Look, it would have worked better, like, I, I would describe this as just ignorantly optimistic. This yeah. would have worked better if they did it on a smaller scale. If you just have this between, like, the yeah. stakes of Pedro Pascal character, or just, like, Pedro Pascal, Kristen Wiig, and Gal Gadot. Like, and maybe the, Reagan. The emotion... The emotion that exists between the Chris Pine thing and between if they develop the Pedro Pascal and something, that would work better than if they... They don't have to do it on this big global fucking scale. Like, even though they try to end it without a fight scene, the world is still going to explode if they don't do this. Like, it's still that whole superhero movie trope. Well, so if they would just... Made it more small. contained. And it's like I said before, just, you know, living in a time of pandemic where people are fucking idiots. The world, to me, like, you know, you see these moments in movies um, like this one... Where, like, everyone in the entire universe comes together for a common goal to, like, stop the world from ending. And now I realize that people don't care. People don't give a single flying fuck if the world is ending. They will take their 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 custom NASCAR that they got from fucking Pure Wishes or their, like, billions of dollars that they got for no reason over all human life on earth being killed anyway like it's just it's completely unbelievable now (laughs) it's it you know can't be bothered to wear a mask in public i'm not believing that they're gonna renounce their billion dollars yeah yeah but but if you showed them the the full truth about you know what's gonna happen if if they keep their wishes then i don't know I still don't think so. I think yeah, I, I agree. It is it is too optimistic. I think uh, I, I understand the sentiment and I understand where it's coming from in terms of the plot. I understand what you're saying, Logan. That like yes, the lash of the truth is showing them this stuff. I just don't. It just doesn't land. Yeah, I don't not think. Anymore. Sure. Well, yeah. and they followed up with you know this kind of last five three minutes whatever. This is fucking Hallmark level. Like the way this is shot. It literally looks sequence. like a Hallmark Christmas special. Well, this dude. Handsome Man is a actor from Hallmark Christmas movies. Of course he well, fucking it is. Well, it makes sense. It just, the way the actors are shot, something about, about the the background in relation to them, everything looks so flat. It is so silly. The single balloon goes up into the air. The only thing I could think about was, it's going to fall to the ocean. It's going to kill a sea turtle. It's not <laughs> happy. <laughs> it doesn't... Patty, uh, no. I do like the scene. I like the scene. I think they have good chemistry. This is a terrible scene. I hate this scene. I, like I this would scene. be. And I do want to go back and talk about the Chris Pine scene. I would be but... happier if they revealed that that was Dick Grayson. Uh, Grayson. I think that would be. Fun. <laughs> I don't know. That was a that was a random name that I was throwing out. I think that, that was a good one. It'd anyway. be fun. Maybe that <laughs> he was he was Aobard Thawne the whole time. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I like this scene. I thought this scene was sweet. This scene made me smile and made me happy, and I think it was a nice moment. Even though it was weird with the whole consent thing, yeah. it was still a nice moment of her like seeing this person, like seeing this person for who he actually was, not as who she wanted him to be, and then kind of moving on with that. Here you go. I think that they, was nice. They but... introduced Simon Stagg earlier. Make this Rex Mason so we can properly set up Metamorpho in the sequel. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but they would have had to give him a real name other than Handsome Man in the credits. Yeah, well, I don't know. I maybe he'll. And be I back think that's just yeah. For this that's one, just it's a just a step too far for this movie yeah, to it, name this character. It definitely is. Um, but uh, one last scene that I want to talk about before we actually get to the, can, the I, can I can I can I talk about one before that? Sure. Yeah. Fireworks scene. Invisible jet. Um, flying. This was one where I was like, "What?" I had that like 
uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker apprehension being like, this doesn't make sense, creeping into my brain. And I was like, no, no, stay away. Of like, <laughs> why would they be flying into the fireworks? Uh, why are yep. they just okay with this? Um, it was nice. Does also, that not damage the plane? Also, it was pretty. why does making the plane invisible mean that radar doesn't work? You know, I that makes no sense. <laughs> so I had these like logical things, but also I was just like, nope, stay out of my brain. Thoughts, just let me enjoy these beautiful colors, and they are beautiful. And I think this is the best track in the movie, Fireworks. Um, yeah. It's it's so cool. Look uh, it looks cool, yeah. but it oh, makes yeah. no sense. No, it makes no sense, and and that's what I'm saying. With most of the things in this movie, I'm like. Okay, this is neat, but it doesn't make sense. With with a lot of DC movies, I'm like, yeah, I love this. I'll defend it. I'll say that it's good, but you know, I I, I know I know that there are issues. But Smooth Rain, it's very appealing. And how am I not gonna love a movie that shows me the invisible jet? Like, this is awesome. This is and like it's such a cool way for them to do it. They've set up that uh, Themyscira is invisible. They've set up that this is an ability that Zeus has. The only thing that maybe would have strengthened the script is like seeing her try it with the coffee cup, you know, mm. that she mentions in that scene. Maybe that would have, you know. Yeah, and the movie's it... already two and a half hours. What's another 30 second scene with the coffee cup? <laughs> exactly. Story? Maybe, yeah, uh, cut some of the other unnecessary stuff and just show us the, show us the uh, coffee cup scene. Yeah, maybe that would have made it feel a little bit less out of nowhere, but I thought this was really neat. It was really cool. Um, it was a great visual looked really good and you know a really touching backstory for why there's an invisible jet mm-hmm. i think it was nice yeah uh, once we get later to like when she learns to fly i was kind of disappointed by that i thought the cgi was actually surprisingly good when she was flying didn't have a problem with that but yeah. just the writing of the explanation for flying is you have to feel the wind catch the air and join it and that's how you do it. It's just so bad. And lick, just, I don't know. I, and I wanted I wanted the Man of Steel amazing moment when Superman learns how to fly, which I think is just a, a brilliant moment with a score. And I really wanted something of that emotion that I did not get. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. All right. Floyd, talk about your scene. Then we'll transition into flying. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's the scene right before that. Yeah, exactly. It's the scene where uh, Steve Trevor, you know, goes back to whatever afterlife Um he he I, I thought that was an interesting scene when they were walking around he was like i don't know i was somewhere it was good but i don't quite remember it i like how he doesn't remember whatever was happening with the afterlife yeah. with him thank god um god was I like ah, that, but that you can't know yeah um we were all on a was... beach and everyone was happy oh my god with <laughs> dinosaurs <Ugh>. um <laughs> fucking movie but um <laughs> this movie uh i i love this scene between steve and diana uh, where, and again, Gal Gadot, this is one of her best scenes, and probably the, these few scenes are the best that I've ever seen her. She's so good in this scene. Uh, so is Chris Pine, when he is saying, like, I had a great life, but I, I love his line where he says, I'm already gone. Yeah. Where it just, it kind of plays into that theme where it's like, this is just you. This is This is temporary. Like, this isn't healthy. You need to, like, grieve and move on. In that moment where, he, the voice, the, the one moment where I liked where it was a different person, when the voice changed back to the 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 handsome man and just that last line of like no matter where i am i'll always love you and then she just says i love you and just goes into the flying scene i thought that was gorgeous and probably the best moment of the movie she's spider-man herself into the air yeah the um her like running away from that and screaming as the music is swelling like that is the oh that is a that's where i cried and this is I'm, i'm gonna push back matt i think this is a better 
like flight scene than flight. No. Yes. And I think it, I, I mean, the, the music is on par. The it's, score. it's still Hans Zimmer. You know, I think this music is also very, very good, but coming from that emotional scene and this being like, there was an inciting incident for that. And it makes all this flying seem like so emotional and it's not just like, okay, I'm going to try to fly now. I'm Superman. And I do. Yeah, I this is what I do. Flight test uh, number one. And I'm in the snow. You know, the scene looks good and sounds good, but where's the emotionality? This is what I wanted. Um, and this is, in in I think Wonder Woman 1984 nails it with, with the flying and nails it with a Wonder Woman character. I think a lot of these, like, kind of images from the movie are going to be adopted into the Wonder Woman canon. You know, say what you want about the story, but uh, the, the the characters, the all these things, maybe even the visuals are not super great at all times. But the invisible jet and seeing her fly and, like, using the lasso in some of these ways, I think these are going to become, like, these classic uh, Wonder Woman images in the same way that, like, like, Richard Donner's Superman kind of canonized a lot of Superman elements. Like, hmm. I think that this is... I think this flight scene is great, and yeah, I, I, I have no issues with it. I, I love the visuals of her flying. I think it's, it looks a little different than other times that we see superheroes flying. But again, I don't mind it. It's just the style they went with. Yeah, I liked it in terms of. I don't know how it compares to Man of Steel. I haven't seen that movie since we reviewed it, but mm-hmm. I don't remember much about that movie. But I do remember that montage. Scene. Well, yeah, I, what I remember is I remember <laughs> loving the first hour of that movie and hating the ending. Um, but it's a decent movie. I would say that movie is in some ways better than this, in a lot of ways. It, I don't know. Again, I haven't seen it in a while. I'd say yeah, it's better. Um, but yeah. We'll get to our rankings at the end of the, the podcast mm-hmm. of all the DC uh, oh, EU movies. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me overall, though, what what works about it is the visual. I think the visuals are actually quite good. Um, I love when she is like lassoing like the uh, the lightning, which is a nice connection to like Zeus being her like demigodfather, right? Um, I think that's quite cool. And you know the the visual of her, yeah, the visual of her swinging like lightning bolt to lightning bolt using the lasso of truth. That's an awesome visual. Again, um, like doesn't make sense, but I love it. Who cares? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, entertaining. Um, and especially coming off of the emotion of the that scene where Steve goes away. Uh, I, th- I think it's just, I think it's the best part of the movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess so, uh, we, we kind of went a little out of order there, but, um, oh, we didn't talk about how stupid the ending was with, uh, Max Lord's kid. I didn't, didn't buy it, didn't, didn't need, need it, it, thought yeah. it was goofy. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, not good, but, but the stuff of him not standing, good. like we said, in the light, uh, screaming was fun. But, uh, yeah, this post credit sequence with Linda Carter, like... I didn't even smile. I honestly, I was just like, that was dumb. Honestly, what? I'm sorry. It, I did not like it. It was fine. I mean, I thought it was cute. There are Is Asteria going to be a character now? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, What I find is, uh, the, the comparison that I like coming back to is uh, Star Trek, in one of the like newer Star Trek movies, uh, one of the, the Michael Giacchino um Scored, so I don't even know who directed it. I just know that Michael Giacchino did the score. Uh, in one of the Star Trek movies, there's a moment where they've got some prisoner and it, they're like talking to him and they zoom in on his face and he's like, my name is Khan. And this like music squells and it's this ominous moment. But in the context of the movie, it doesn't actually mean anything. It's hmm. only interesting if you know 
if you've heard of Wrath of Khan, Khan, if you've watched Wrath of Khan, you know, that only means anything to you if you have knowledge of Star Trek outside of the the Star Trek movies. It's not a self-sufficient moment at all. And, you know, this is somewhat the same way. Uh, If you, if Wonder Woman 1984, if you've only seen Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, uh, the Linda Carter cameo isn't going to mean anything to you. But, you know, it's a mid-credits scene. So, do you really need it to be connected? I think it's just it, it's just a fun Easter egg, you know. If you if you only saw the Asteria scene, you're gonna be like, huh, that's neat. If you know Linda Carter, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I thought it was really cool. I like my jaw dropped, and I was I was giggling to myself. I thought it was a very neat moment. So you know, see, it just depends. I mean, it's like it's a mid credit scene, so it doesn't it doesn't need to be also, that much. I, it's it's a way to shoehorn in a fun cameo. We have a, a, an exact tie to our last review with the Star Wars Holiday Special, where at the beginning of the YouTube rip, it says, we will now be cu- canceling Wonder Woman and the Incredible <laughs> Hulk tonight for in favor of the, uh, uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Bad decision. Oh, God. Um, but I, I think Hulk did it right. I forget which Hulk movie it was, but they just had Lou Ferrigno be a background character. Mm-hmm. That was the right decision. Mm-hmm. It felt weird. Like, if you're going to have Linda Carter in this movie, have Linda Carter just be a random character in this movie. Or have her, show her be Asteria in that flashback scene. She I was. Well, we didn't see her, but we saw, like, her eyes. I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying, have that be the Linda Carter scene. Just show her, have, give her an action sequence, do it that way. This scene just felt corny and cheesy, and like you said, it just felt like a wink to the audience that I didn't need. It just was well, just it like, is. Okay, that's all Carter, it is. I mean, that's you. what, that's what the mid-credits scenes are supposed to be. I don't know, yeah, I think if I, wink, I think yeah. if they would have put it. If they would have featured her really heavily in the middle of the movie and had it been like this reveal, like it is Linda Carter, I think that would have fallen that would have fallen into the Wrath of Khan trap, and I think that Agreed. that would have been a bad thing. And I no, think that it, it also would have universe, set it up later that like we're expecting her to be important, which she's not. She's a minor character. Think, and she's a way to introduce the armor, and she's a fun little wink to the audience. It's like, yeah, it would have catch this. no, but everyone who knew to look for Linda Carter would have seen her in the action sequence, even if it was only thirty seconds in action sequence. We'd have seen Linda Carter and been like, oh, that's cool. She was Asteria, this other character that you wouldn't have to bring back. She was just like a cameo. Like she was this character. She was Asteria and she was this badass in the history that led up to this version of Wonder Woman. And it fits with in terms of that timeline. It's like, yeah, she was Wonder Woman in the 70s. She kind of paved the way for Gal Gadot now. Um, I don't know. Just this, this scene just it did nothing for me. It was just like, ah, it was Linda Carter. All right, cool. Good for her. Hope she got a paycheck for it. <laughs> um, hope she got a nice paycheck for it. Um, but in terms of the actual movie, which is, it was such a downer. It was like, I thought it was going to be some cool uh, mid credit scene that was going to, you know, get us into the next Wonder Woman movie. But it was just like, oh, okay. Linda Carter caught a pole. Cool. Again, I think it would have been more effective with Linda Carter just to have her in that action sequence. Mm. Just to give her an action sequence as a stereo. But, oh well. Um, I, I hope that they bring her back. I Honestly, if, if we were giving this, if we're getting this time, I hope that we bring her back. I hope that she's part of Wonder Woman 3. Um That'd be cool. Have Linda Carter and Gal Gadot be the two main characters oh, in Wonder God. Woman 3. That'd be cool. That'd be but neat. again, use it that way. I don't need some scene where she's just going to grin at the camera, you know? Um, oh, well, that's just me probably. I think it fits with the tone bit. of the movie. This 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 movie is very, like, wink at the audience. So I don't Sure. Know. Sure. Um, so is there anything else? I know we've been going for a long time, but there, I feel like there's... Well, we didn't even talk about the music at all. Um no, no cello. We didn't get any of the Wonder Woman cello music. We got a little bit of like the full orchestra. Which Floyd? Something I forgot was that in the during the little snippet of uh, the first Wonder Woman review that we listened to, you don't like the uh, cello theme. I think. 
maybe back then i don't know maybe i've grown on it i don't know i i, I missed it honestly in this movie i was like why isn't it not here yeah it Where did feels it weird i would have liked it i would have I I liked the was... electric cello i would have liked some more 80s music yeah. if they're putting it in 1984 but yeah overall the score is very good um i did i think uh i think hans zimmer makes a little bit more sense for this one than uh rupert gregson williams for the last one uh gregson williams uses a lot of strings which makes sense you know for for world war one um but you know the more the more synthy hans zimmer stuff i i really enjoyed for 1984 and the the fireworks i i think i stand by that that's the best track already gone is probably the second best i think it's really beautiful but yeah that's probably um i did see uh i haven't gotten a chance to specifically go back and listen to this but uh wonder woman's broadcast her lasso truth broadcast apparently uses um the track beautiful lie from batman v superman I've seen a lot of things oh. about that well no I, I think the music track that people are talking about from batman v superman is when they're showing the backstory with um uh max lord they do the same oh. it's the same like horn piece that they use for batman v superman okay yeah okay. i i did cool, cool, cool. i dig that it's uh, I, I didn't catch it because there was stuff on twitter was like oh i really like the connection in the score back to bvs and then when i was re-watching it this morning i was like Oh, it's that score, the horn piece, like the da na na. Thank you for yeah. that reading. No, no, that was my best. That was my best. <laughs> That's great. It's just it's just these three notes that just go up and down. They do it like three times, and it's the same thing as showing the backstory of Batman at the beginning of Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um. So I thought the score was good. I liked it. I wish we would have had the electric cello. I don't know what I said back three and a half years ago at this point, but I was probably wrong. I cannot so. be held accountable um, for anything I said three and a half years ago. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I'm a little. I'm always afraid to go back and listen to our original original podcast. Yeah. Just um, don't. Don't. Just listen it. to the new ones. We new, need to make like, like a, we need to make a cutoff point for like new listeners. Like start listening here. Don't. Once you get accustomed. Don't listen to these. Once you get accustomed to us, then you can go back and listen to the old shit. Maybe like and, from and when we were in high school. Are. Maybe like Joker on or Shazam on. Whenever we did those. Yeah, when we restarted. Like, yeah, when we restarted re- re- in like early 2020. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we had some. I think me and Matt had some movie journals before that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I think there were some good Stopway What's before that too. The dorm room movie journals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, there's the Stopway What's are always funny. Yeah. I think those are universally funny. I don't think there's some a of the early ones are a little cringe, but they're a little cringe. But they're I think they're still funny. They're um, a little dicey. Funny. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think that is pretty much it. So final thoughts and ratings, Brendan. Uh, yeah. So I, you know this movie has a lot of uh like ups and downs for me um it's 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 a very middle of the road superhero movie i think the first hour really drags a lot um i think they could have leaned into using the 80s background more uh, i'm a little disappointed because all of the like all of the promotional material is this beautiful like colorful 80s like stuff and then they just kind of ditched it for the film they were just like ah you know we lured you in with with this shit but max lord you in we max lord you in with this shit but we're not actually gonna use it um i think that there are some really strong performances in this movie i think that you know chris pine always a delight and pedro pascal um it's it's cool to see him out of game of thrones and uh and the mandalorian um to to doing something like this 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 sort of neo-trump metaphor um i i don't know i there there's a lot of dicey parts you know just kind of the racist parts of the the whole middle eastern section um and you know i i did appreciate the ending um the 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 opt-out of sort of the giant sky beam fight um that we're so used to seeing in dc movies um and i think that this is you know it's 
it's it's not bad it's it, it i don't think it deserves all of the hate that it's been getting um i and you know i do see problems with it but it's 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 a very it's fine it's a fine movie i'm gonna give it a b i think it deserves a b uh it's fine yeah yeah it's not a bad movie per se but it uh I was disappointed. You know, I did really, really love that first Wonder Woman movie. I do truly love it. And I was hoping for something of that same caliber. Didn't quite get it. The positives. Pedro Pascal wins this movie for me. Very enjoyable. Rarely do I find the villains of superhero movies actually compelling and interesting. And I thought they actually succeeded here. I thought he actually nailed the deranged aspects of it. I think the Trump parallels were uh, insightful at times. Uh, Gal Gadot is great as always. Kristen Wiig, with what she is given, does well. Um, the transformation to Cheetah is terrible. Um, and at the ending of this movie, like I talked about, you know, I enjoy the the speech that Gal Gadot gives. But what they're actually saying and how they tie it up with this fancy bow and with the utopian Hallmark ending, it's garbage. I really hate the ending. Uh, a lot of the fight scenes are pretty nonsensical, pretty incoherent, especially the Cheetah one, which is the worst part about, or the worst action scene in this movie, I'd say. Some of the dialogue, not great. Um, so, you know, it's it's a B- minus for me. Um, not one that I would ever feel like I need to rewatch again, but not abhorrently bad. Um, I feel like we've talked a, a lot about the specifics here. I think some characters and some of the elements feel very wasted. The plot is all over the place. Um, the script, I was really hoping for a lot more nuance. I think they... Uh, they conveyed the themes of Wonder Woman a lot more, you know, subtly in that. And here it's very like, truth is what is going to, you know, make the world a better place and stuff like that. It's very, very corny. Um, sort of what it was going for. I'll I'll end with this as my, as my final thought. I still want to see a third. There's very little. Same. I, I, th- I think it would be nearly impossible. There's very little that DC could do that would make me not want to keep seeing their movies. Um, just because I, I, I just love them, you know? I, I'm going to love watching them no matter what. If you show me The Invisible Jet, if you show me Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth, I'm I'm going to have some amount of fun with it. Um, so, you know, if I keep coming back and I keep being a little disappointed, I'm all right with that. But I do want to see a third. I want to keep seeing the content that they're putting out. And, um, you know, there's there's very little that they would be able to do in their movies that would make me lose hope with, with the characters, with the storylines. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it certainly doesn't deserve all the hate that it's getting, you know, like justice league, like BVS, like Aquaman, it's not nearly as bad as people are, are, you know, generally saying, um, it, you know, it, it's good, but it can be better. Uh, and I think this is probably a B movie for me. That was that was a good line, Logan. I like that. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Um, I guess I like this movie the most. Uh, it's a very sloppy, messy movie that I really like and I really enjoy. And I'm gonna push back on Logan saying that it's not uh everyone overreacted with those other movies. I think those other movies are really bad, but I think people are overreacting with this movie. Um, but I, I think BVS, Justice League, and Aquaman, and Suicide Squad, and uh, are all bad movies. But um, moving on. Uh, yeah, I really love the performances in this movie. Pedro Pascal, uh, is the standout, but I think Gal Gadot 
is this this is her best performance I've ever seen out of her. I think she's really, really good in this movie. Kristen Wiig is really good with what she's given, and I think Chris Pine is just the lifeline and just the fun of this movie, um, just the fun quips of this movie beyond Pascal's craziness. Um, so all the performances, really, really good all around, which I think is different than what I said about Wonder Woman. I also haven't seen Wonder Woman since we reviewed it, so I'm not sure how my thoughts would hold up on that. But um, yeah, I love the uh, message that it's giving about grief, um, about moving on. I think that that's a really good storyline between her and Steve. I wish that they had done it differently in terms of um, the person. Uh, just have Steve come back. There's no need for this handsome man uh, <laughs> character. Um, everything with uh, the consumerism critique and the critique of the 80s and the critique of Reagan and the critique of Trump, I think it's very good. Uh, works very well with the storyline. Uh, the Barbara stuff doesn't work. Uh, you should have just made her be the love interest um, after Steve leaves. And I think that that would have been bold and people would have been mad about this movie um, on uh, Parlor instead of on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which I would have been fine with. Um, I would have said, good, fuck you, and I'd spit on them. Um, but, uh, yeah, this movie in the end, it's goofy in a lot of ways. Like I said, it's messy, but it's a messy movie that I enjoy and I'm going to give it a B plus. So I, I really like Wonder Woman 1984 and unlike Matt, this is a movie that I'm, I'm happy to rewatch. Um, I've seen it two and a half times now in the past three days and I don't, not not too upset about it. You know, I'm probably not going to watch it for a while. I probably won't watch it again on HBO max now that I've seen it two and a half times. Maybe I will before it leaves in a month, but you know. Um, I'm glad that it's out. I'm glad that it's here and I had a fun time with it and I think it's one of the better DCEU movies. So speaking of... Yep, gives us a B average, by the way. B average. I, I'm, I'm, I'll accept that, yeah. especially with all the hate that it's giving, yeah. getting that I think is unnecessary. Um, so I'm going to update my rankings with um, the DCEU. Um, so Dead Last now is Suicide Squad. I think I had had Aquaman there. Um, so at ninth I have Suicide Squad. At eighth I have Aquaman. At seventh I have Justice League. All three of those movies are terrible. Um, and then at sixth I have Batman v Superman. Still a movie that I am very torn on. I think there are very good aspects of it, um, but overall doesn't work. Man of Steel is coming in at number five. Um, a really good first half and a really subpar second half, if I remember correctly. Again, haven't seen that movie for three or four years. Um, and then these top four here are all. Uh, really good movies, I think. Three of them are the last three to come out within the DCEU. We're not counting Joker in this list because that's not technically part of this timeline. Um, Coming in at number four is Shazam. I really like Shazam. I think Shazam is just a fun kids action movie. Zachary Levi is so fun. Coming in at number three is Birds of Prey. Uh, I was really struggling where to put Wonder Woman 1984, uh, but I'm gonna, I think I just enjoy Wonder Woman 1984 a little more than Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is a very fun action movie. I think Kathy Ann did a very good job of that. Um, and then number two is Wonder Woman 1984. I really, really like this movie. I think it's a good time, and I'm glad that I saw it. And then number one is Wonder Woman. Um, just the more I think about it, especially compared to the rest of the DCU movies, I think it just it works so much better, and um, it's just a really good film um, at my number one. But yeah, uh, Birds of Prey, Shazam, Wonder Woman being the last three movies that came out, all of them are B-pluses for me. I think all three of them are basically equal um, in my two through four slots. So yeah. Um, my number two DCU movie, at least as of right now. I'll go next. Uh, Suicide Squad is obviously at the bottom. Next, and I've been, I've been jumping around on this a lot. Next, I'm, I'm putting Man of Steel in the eight spot. Not because I think that it's the worst, but just like as a fan, you know, smooth brain fan, uh, just what I prefer. It's probably the one that sticks in my head the least, uh, sort of nondescript in a lot of ways. 
uh, very dark. Then I'd probably go Batman v Superman. Ugh, I don't know. All these like sort of middle movies, uh, Batman v Superman, Aquaman, Justice League. There are things that I really like about those movies. Um, I, I really enjoy some of them, some of the designs, just seeing the characters come to life um, is really fun. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. Those are sort of, maybe those are all kind of tied for uh, uh, five through seven. Um, then I'd probably put uh, Wonder Woman 1984, you know, pretty good. Uh, then Shazam, really enjoy Shazam. Um, next up, I'm going to have uh, Wonder Woman. I think that was, you know, a great movie. It it delivered on a lot of things that I think Wonder Woman 1984 sort of missed out on. Um, then my number one slot, Birds of Prey. I love Birds of Prey. I think this is, I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, I love that they were able to make it uh, rated R and just go as all out uh, with the characters like, like Harley Quinn. Uh, as they deserve to be. Um, but I just watched that and did a whole uh, review on Letterboxd, so go check that out and we'll, we'll plug it at the end. But yeah, I should say, with all these reviews, if you go back and listen to them, my ratings are like all over the place. It took a while for mm-hmm. me to solidify like what the different letter grades were, uh, but I definitely have a, a better understanding of that now. So, you know, I may have rated certain things above others that I, that I wouldn't do now. But yes, that is my uh, personal list. Yes, I echo that statement, Logan. All right, I'm going to run through these quick since this is already a pretty long podcast. Um, to preface, I have not still seen Aquaman. Hmm. I, I have not seen that movie, so that it's not going to be on you. this list. Maybe I'll watch it one day. We'll see. Uh, so this is going to be eight films. Uh, at number eight, I have Justice League. At number seven, I have Shazam. At number six, I have Suicide Squad. Number five is Batman v Superman. Number four is Wonder Woman 84. Number three is Man of Steel. Number two is Birds of Prey. And number one is Wonder Woman. Okay, a little you bit have, different from your guys. We got a yeah. We, Suicide Squad over Shazam. I if I, if you held those two movies in front of me and asked me which one would I want to watch, I would pick Suicide Squad every single time. What on earth? Shazam was bland and lifeless and unoriginal. Oh I can't stand that movie. Goodness. At least Suicide Squad has some spark, even if it's a bad. It spark. was bright and vibrant. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's no way Shazam is bland. I like Shazam a lot. I I really, I just, it was so dumb. I just, I really can't stand it. But again, the top three is number three, Man of Steel, number two, Birds of Prey, number one, Wonder Woman. I love Wonder Woman to death. Birds of Prey didn't quite nail it on all aspects, but it's a fun, you know, very inviting movie with all the action sequences. Wow. So that's my ranking. Jeez. Uh, Well, so my, (laughs) mine is, you know, that's like deviation from that. Uh, Last is Suicide Squad. Uh, number eight, Man of Steel. Number seven is Aquaman. Um, I I had rated Aquaman like a D, but like just thinking back comparatively to Man of Steel, I get so bored watching that movie. Um, and so I I think that I I have to put uh I have to put Aquaman over it. Um, Batman versus Superman is number six. Um, followed by Wonder Woman eighty four. I think that it it's you know a very middle of the road movie. Like I said uh justice league is number four um number three is shazam uh number two is wonder woman and number one is birds of prey um i yeah that's i i don't know i think that the more recent dc movies have been a lot stronger uh than than they have been in the past and i've appreciated them 
So can can we agree can... in general as a consensus that DC is heading in the right direction? Because I think I feel like they've yeah, been. I think so. I feel like they've they've been getting it yeah. in terms of what people want to see from superhero movies. I think at least consensus consensus between the four of us is that the two best movies are directed by women too. Oh, absolutely. Birds of Prey yeah. and Wonder Woman. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, um, even though I have Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four slightly ahead of Birds of Prey, very slightly, they're basically equivalent to me. I like them both a lot. Um, so that is our catch up of the DCEU. I'm sure we will be reviewing more of them as they come out. Um, but coming up for us next week. We have our continuation of Charlie Kaufman, um, which is basically, it's our part two of Charlie Kaufman, where before we were reviewing the movies that he wrote, and now we're going to be reviewing the movies that he wrote and directed. And we're going to be talking about Synecdoche, New York next week, Anomalisa the week after, and then finally, I'm thinking of ending things, uh, the movie. And uh, I'm not saying I'm thinking of ending things. Um, Thank you. Great film. Uh, Very excited to talk about them. Uh, Around that same time, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we will probably also be talking about I'm thinking of ending things on me and Matt's top 20 films of 2020. I know it will not be on Matt's list. Well, on one of those lists. Not on on one of those lists it will be on. Um, So keep your eyes peeled for that. But uh, Logan, do you want to tell the good people about all the other shows on our network besides the Cinema Talk podcast? Yep, absolutely. This is our flagship show, but we also have the Cinema Talk Movie Journal, Matt and Ryan's short form movie review podcast. Uh, there is Back in Style, our newcomer-friendly episodic review of Twin Peaks, Stop White What, our improv comedy advice show, Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult, Octo Island, our extended universe Star Wars podcast, and I Might Play That, our video game review podcast. You can also find us on social media, at Twisted Mug Media. Um... We have an Instagram and a Twitter right now. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which we never plug because uh, we don't post on it. But um, <laughs> we don't post as much on Twitter either. But if you follow us on there, maybe we'll start posting on there more. Um, you can also find us on YouTube at the Twisted Mug Media Network. We have some fun videos on there, and I'm sure more content coming out in the future. Uh, and we also have a joint Letterboxd account uh, that is all of the movies that we review on this channel um this channel this network um on this specific podcast uh with all of our averages um and on there logan runs that account and you can also find all of our individual accounts um for letterboxd if you want to check out you know what we're watching you can go check out my rankings of the uh the x-men movies that i was talking about earlier uh it's a good time definitely worth a look and uh so yeah happy new year's guys uh not sure exactly which day we're gonna end up releasing this but it will be in 2021 we are recording this still back in the hellscape which is 2020 um i'm sure that it's not much better a few days from now but uh happy new year here's to hoping that uh at some point this year maybe we'll be able to sit around a table and record one of these instead of doing it over zoom so uh hopefully this this year is a lot better than the last and um we will be back next week sometime with synecdoche new york so thank you so much for listening guys i'm ryan i'm brendan i'm matthew I'm Logan, and we'll see you next week.